What up, Doe One Pride? This is the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, the podcast where one pride goes worldwide. My name's Anthony Fitzpatrick. I'm joined this evening by Ryan McCluskey. It is a Wednesday evening, which means we are here with the College Football Podcast, and we are also here with a ton of new equipment as well. So if you can't hear us, if anything's wrong this evening, just let us know and we will get it sorted. But I'm hoping these setups are done right. Ryan, it's an interesting time of year now. All the college football has stopped. We're sort of waiting for the all-star games to roll around, the senior bowl, all this, and now we're sort of really, really heading on into draft season now. This is this is where it starts to get fun when you start looking at all the players for this year. Yeah, the underclassmen period closed last week, the 17th. If you did not put your name in the hat to be selected, you're done for a year and you're going to have to return to college some notable players decided to return. Some surprising players decided to class. Like I say, the Shrine Bowl, the Hula Bowl, uh, the Senior Bowl, the Dream Bowl as well. Like I say, that was interesting. The Ivy League All-Stars against the Best of Japan and X-League happened last week. Like I say, that was a, apparently quite a good game. So right now, yeah, the All-Star games are lined up and we're deep into draft coverage now. Everyone's thinking about going pro. Yeah, absolutely. said, there's been some interesting ones so far. The Tropical Bowl, I think, was a weekend just gone. Like you said, the all-star game between the Ivy League and, and a, Japan, a Japan side. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, but yeah, apparently it was quite entertaining. And then next week, I think it's the 5th, we are um, sort of in a case now where I think we're about a week off from the start of the Senior Bowl, from the start of the Shrine Bowl. So we're going to be getting into those very quickly. Obviously, today's episode we will be looking at the senior bowl defensive roster um we've not been on for two weeks last time we were here we had a look at the offensive side of the ball tonight we are going to look at the defensive side now when i did these rosters up it was about three or four weeks ago when i had all these names down so a few of the names may have changed slightly so don't pick me up if i've missed anybody or i've put anyone here who's not on i believe the changes are very minimal so we can call it the Look at the players. Look at players for the upcoming draft. Ninety-nine percent of whom will be at the Senior Bowl if we want to give it its um, proper title. So, yeah, it's um, going to be an interesting one this evening. Then afterwards, we are going to talk a little. We're just going to chat a little bit of college football afterwards, depending on what time constraints are like, depending on how long this takes. So, I'll just go through all the housekeeping first. Just want to quickly say hello to everyone who's in the building. Grandizer12 is in the building as always. Thank you for joining us, good sir. We love having you along. Death Fan Man is in as well. Um, apparently there is a little bit of an echo on my mic. I will get that sorted in due course. I'll just have to deal with it today. Um, this is a brand new microphone and I'm still fine-tuning it, so it is probably picking up the echo of my voice from somewhere. So I apologise. I hope it's not too much of an inconvenience. Um, and then Dan Pask has joined us on Twitch as well. He says, evening. Evening to you, good sir. Hope you are doing well. 
And um, Dan, don't worry, there's going to be no um, no culture wars in here tonight. I was listening to that Pride of Detroit podcast the other day when they ripped our food tastes over here, and believe me, I was I was not happy with that one. But we are in a safe space here where we can all come and enjoy our apparently terrible foods together. <laughs> right, just go through all the housekeeping stuff first. So, Roar of the Lions UK Discord, if you want in on that, just let us know. We will send you out a link and you can come in and join. Lots of draft-related chat now, so if you want somewhere to come and talk draft, prospects, all etc., please do come in. It's a good bunch of people in there. Uh, main podcast, we are back tomorrow. We have a very special interview with Detroit Lions insider Maddie Miller. So, if you have any questions for her... If you either want to drop them in the stream tonight or you want to put it on Twitter, whatever, Discord, if you want to whack them in there, we will ask her um, what's on your mind. So just let us know about that, but that's going to be good fun. Me and Matt and a couple of others are going to be on to do that. Don't forget to like and sub to everything, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, all those things. We really appreciate all of you who do support us. We are slowly edging towards all our goals with those. And Lions Nation Unite, don't forget about that. Herman Moore's app. Um, for Detroit Lions content creators, for the fans, content made by the fans. There's us on there, you'll find Detroit Lions on the Prowl, you'll find Orem's Forum, you'll find Spirit of Detroit podcast on there, all sorts of wonderful pods to go and listen to, to everything Detroit Lions related. Um, right, that is about everything for the housekeeping, so we are going to dive straight down into the Senior Bowl preview this evening for the defensive players like last week with the offense just going to go through a few at a time then me and Ryan are going to discuss them a little bit so see we're on to the defense now so there are a defensive there are a lot of defensive linemen going to this a lot of linebackers and a lot of secondary guys so we're going to break it down into about groups of four so we talked the other week Ryan I mean offensively prospects wise we did have a little look ball for Detroit the uh, the defense is going to take preference in the uh, in the senior ball I reckon this year and in the draft in general I think we're looking at maybe all three levels in terms of prospects here so let us dive down in so we're going to start on the defensive line first four prospects we've got up here Alabama pairing DJ Dale and Byron Young then we've got Oban's Derek Hall and Central Michigan's Thomas Incombe so in terms of the Alabama pair DJ Dale he is six foot three, three hundred pounds. He is their de facto nose tackle. Is a little undersized for the position, although I don't know how you can call three hundred pounds undersized. But this guy has a relentless motor. He's really athletic for a nose tackle, which is which is a rarity amongst some of them. Shown big improvements in the pass rush game this season. I believe he's collected about five sacks, which he's not done over his career so far. Which might be how he finds his way onto a roster. Um, unfortunately the undersized aspect of there means that he struggles for full games against the run obviously as a nose tackle you are double teamed all the time you are subject to a lot of tap so he does start to fade away towards the end of games and the sheer effort alone is just it catches up with him as games progress so you're going to need to find something scheme wise to be able to help him there but you know despite the flaws you don't start 40 games for Nick Saban over four years if you don't have something about you. So one of the nose tackle prospects there to look at. Byron Young, 
So he is a sort of scheme versatile defensive tackle edge on the Alabama line. He's 6'3", 292 pounds, another highly experienced guy. He's played 50 games uh, for Alabama. Not all starts, but the vast majority are. He is a plus level run defender. You've got the build and the strength you need at the NFL level in that sort of tackle edge hybrid area for him to succeed. Bama run a gap control defense. They are asked to do a lot, so his work against double teams and maintaining his gap integrity is pretty high quality stuff. Um, he can maintain and disengage depending on the situation, um, what you need him to be able to help you with, but he'll be figuring to affect the run game immediately when he comes up to the NFL. Um, he's not as athletic as his nose tackle counterpart, which is a weird one. Um, he has trouble with zone stretch plays, so obviously when the running backs outside the tackles out towards the edge, it affects his ability to be able to make plays there. And he doesn't really have the wheels to pass rush to the quarterback and get lots of sacks, pressures, etc. So those are two little flaws in his games there. You're probably looking at a day three pick here and you're going to need a little bit of time to develop him, but they're both highly experienced guys who come from a system that makes great NFL talent. So they're going to be ones to watch here at, uh, at the Senior Bowl. Sure, then we've got Derek Hall. So he is the open edge. He is 6'3", 251 pounds. I love this guy. He's a high character player. He's got great leadership qualities. He's been a team captain there for several years now. He's projecting as a project who sort of rotationally, you know, he's got rotational potential immediately in the NFL, but again, he's going to need a little bit of time to develop right into a long-term starter. You're probably looking at a hybrid, sort of one of those edge outside linebacker hybrids. As a run defender, he's really good at setting the edge. He's got the leverage, the reach, and the power required to deal with tackles and do his gap maintenance as and when he needs to. As a pass rusher, there's potentially a lot of elite upside here to him. So he's a speed to power guy at the minute. So he starts off the rep really quick and then converts into a power and will bull rush the tackle. Um, he's really good at doing this. There's quite a few examples you can see of him successfully doing this here. The, the repertoire does need to get a little better. He does kind of rely on that at the minute. So the swim moves, the outside edge moves, they do need to come. But it's just one of those things. It's what he's been asked to do over time at Open. They've also had a weird tendency to drop him into coverage a lot. So that sort of stunted the pass rush development with him. So as I say, the Arsenal is lacking at the moment. But it does mean he has experience in coverage as a detackling. You don't get too many of those guys around this day and age. So it's going to be something really interesting to see in the senior ball whether they do use him a lot in coverage. But if you can prove that, he could be very valuable going into the draft. And then the last one of our first group. So you've got Thomas Incoom. Our Mac guy, Central Michigan, he's 6'4", he's 260 pounds. He is their edge rusher and probably one of the most intriguing prospects out of this defensive line group. So he had two really productive years at Valdosa State before he transferred to the Mac. So it's obviously FCS to FBS football. He had a little bit of a slow start with Central Michigan, but he broke out big time this season. 19 tackles for loss, 11 and a half sacks, a forced fumble and two fumble recoveries. One which he took for a touchdown. He even got a blocked field goal on special teams. So his game, it's all about the motor. It is relentless and it is unforgiving. This is what you see first off every play. Um, he reported to actually have hit 21 miles per hour on his GPS. So the speed 
that he has for an edge rusher is insane. He's got a vast array of pass rush moves, and that's kind of how he wins a lot of his battles. He just overwhelms tackles by hitting them with a little bit of everything. Um, he's got great instincts. He's got a nose for finding the ball. So in the run game, he is really good defending against the run. And the potential upside he offers will be really tempting to NFL teams now that the, the knock on him is the level of opposition in the MAC. It's not the best in the world, but he's made the step up from the FCS to the MAC pretty easily. Took him a little while, so you will hope that he'll be able to do the same transition between college and the NFL. But Thomas Incombe is a guy you really need to watch out for. If he shows out at the senior bowl against better standards of tackles, he's going to rocket up draft boards going forward. Um, right, few interesting ones to start off with here, but. I mean, I know we watch a little bit more sometimes of the home teams here, but Central Michigan, Thomas Ngoom, he looks he looks the real deal if he does well at this Senior Bowl. Yeah, this is kind of what the, the Senior Bowl's made for. Those guys that need to go up against the upper echelons in the uh, the talent department. And we're certainly in the market for a guy that can, like say, play the, the three-tech, like say, the not-nose, but kick out one, and then also generate pressure from outside in. Uh, more... Uh, arsenal of pass rush moves guys that don't just use strength and speed the dutch want to bulldoze their way through uh, guys that can build on that i say some of these guys seem a bit lighter undersized for the position but that's fine because we've seen guys like well uh houston like i say he's not the biggest at the position he can work from outside in like I say he's got a smaller frame not even got that much weight on him so uh probably athleticism uh, pass rush skill, their weaponry is probably what more you look for when you're up against these, especially when they're going up against some, I'd say some elite uh, interior offensive linemen, a really strong class this year of centres and guards so we're going to see them really come up against some of the best, so I'd say this is definitely in the top three needs for the Lions some sort of interior form pass rush. We've still got a lot of free agents, some guys that we're going to have to make difficult decisions on. So, yeah, these these guys are the ones we're looking at. Uh, I'm, guys like Incoom, uh, someone I'm probably looking more at than the uh, the two first guys. I think, like, someone that's, like I said, that breakout year, he's got the finishing as well. All those tackles for loss can get sacks. So he's also someone that can, once he penetrates, takes good angles and has that kind of killer instinct that we're going to look for. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. He's he's one that I'm going to be watching very closely. It's like I say, it's, it, it's good for these like the smaller school guys, you know, the the FCS guys who are here. It'll prove more for them because they can prove they can do it against some of these tackles who are here. Who will be taken early in the draft. It really raises their stock. I mean, what do we make of the hybrid? I mean, I don't know what your views are, but I mean, like Derek Hall mentioned him there. He's one of many who we're going to talk about. These sort of hybrids, the outside linebacker edge hybrids. Are you looking more towards those as well, or, or would you just prefer, like me, I, I kind of like my specialists when it comes to this, but I don't know, what are your thoughts on them? Uh, I'm all for a hybrid, but if they're going to be a hybrid, they've got to be a little bit going coverage. Like uh, like Drew Sanders, like guys like that, like you say, those guys that are, are backer but also can play the edge. If you ask them to like show blitz or line up on the end at the 9, tech, the 7, and then drop off, and try drop into passing lanes or they've got to be able to have the nouse to jump up and get their hands in the air because we saw like guys like Goff, Allen this year, a lot of tip balls where guys show they're coming up 
drop back and get in passing lanes. I think that's probably one of the most underrated skills of any lineman. If you know you can't get there and you're not going to be an offensive tackle, then just stop, get up, get high, get a tip. At worst, it's incomplete. Uh, best, it's picked off by someone else. So I feel like you've got to also have that IQ and know that you can't just sell yourself, get wrapped up, or be pushed out of the play. You've got to, you've got to be able to do the, the, the smart work as well as the, the big play get a sack. So I do look for that in a hybrid, someone that will stop, think, jump up, and get their big old mitts in the air. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And, and that's why Hall is one to watch out for. Like I say, they specifically use him for that at Oban. It does stunt the pass rush. I mean, you can't do it all in college, but he's got sort of the, the base levels of everything you want to be able to do that. So, again, going to be interesting to watch how he trains there. Right, let's move it on to the next group. So, uh, we've got the Clemson pairing of Tyler Davis and KJ Henry, then Coastal Carolina's Jared Clark, and I did have Florida State's Fabian love it in this section, but he has decided to go back to college. So we've just got the three here. So Tyler Davis, uh, starting with the Clemson guys, he's sort of a one to three tech defensive tackle there. These Clemson guys are all very versatile on the line, but he generally does his business in between the guard um, and in between the center, well, sort of center, center to inside tackle. He does a lot of his work. He's 6'2", 300 pounds. Now, this guy was the freshman phenom a few years back. He holds the Clemson record for most starts by a freshman on the defensive line. He started 13 games after in his first season, but he's been stunted by injuries in subsequent seasons after. So it's raised issues about his durability going forward which is a shame but in 2022 he has done a lot better he managed to start 11 of 22 games he was voted a permanent team captain he had his best pff grade at year 82.9 and there's a reason this guy was a freshman phenom for them so the athleticism and the power this guy has it's in abundance he's got a high level ability to collapse the pocket and shoot gaps and cause genuine havoc in the passing game you if you've watched clemson you'll see all these guys work in unison together but it all starts on the interior where all these guys creating you know all the havoc in there so he's as tough as they come he played nearly a full game with a torn bicep tendon that was the injury in the second year which affected him but he saw out a game with it so he plays tough plays with controlled violence good hand movement and he's got the necessary tools to be a high level star in the nfl it's it's controlled aggression it's you, you know you have to be a little bit gritty on the defensive line but i love the way this guy plays he he plays tough he plays violent. He is a genuine disruptor on the interior line. And with the likes of Breesy and Murphy hanging around, some of these other guys have been forgotten about and are traveling right onto the radar at the minute. And then his running mate, KJ Henry, also going to the senior bowl. He is more of an edge player for Clemson. He's 6'4", 260 pounds. So he's more of a higher floor, lower ceiling prospect, but there's nothing wrong with that. He's a high IQ guy. Um, plays the run really well. He's really good at deconstructing blocks and blowing up running lanes. That's sort of his his thing on that Clemson D-line. He's got the length to threaten off the edge as a pass rusher, but he's not really something he's shown much of so far, but he has the fundamentals to be able to do so if it can be coached into him. Um, 
that's obviously going to affect his third down playability, which is why his ceiling is capped at the next level currently. And also he works in a high rotation system at Clemson. They've got a lot of good guys there and he's one of the ones who's not seen as many snaps. So can he deal with more prolonged spells and still be a genuine threat on that line? Having said that, he's just had his best year in college. He's graded well in all facets of the game. So there is something to work with. So expect a team who needs a rotational guy on the edge to uh, take an interest in him because Clemson produce good D linemen, whether it's first day of the draft, day three, there's always something to work with there. And then the third guy in this group, Jared Clark, we've seen a lot of him because me and Ryan like watching Coastal Carolina. It's mainly been Grayson McCall, but on the defensive side of the ball, he's one of the standouts. So he's there. Zero to one tech defensive tackle. He plays nose, but mainly sort of at the one. He's, he's not a full-on nose. He's 6'4", 345 pounds. Had a very tough path through college to get to the draft. So he redshirted his freshman year. He missed his entire second year through injury. He was a tight end at the time. He transitioned from tight end to defensive tackle. He added 85 pounds to his frame. That is a lot of weight to put on. But it finally got his career going. As I say, he's played primarily at the nose tackle year one. Then he's kind of expanded out to a one tech, two tech year two. He's got an 82 inch wingspan, which is absolutely been huge. And the raw power that he has to mix that with such a wingspan together, he has the ability to drive back blockers into the backfield, whether it's in the run game or be able to use it as a pass rushing weapon as well. This build allows him to two gap. That is a very vital part of being a nose tackle one. You've got to be able to two gap if you're in the middle on your own. This guy can do it. The pass rushing is unpolished. And at this point, it's more potential development rather than anything he's shown so far. But you'll be able to use him as an early down nose tackle to start with whilst you sort the pass rush aspect of his game out and hopefully you'll be able to get him to a point where he can be a three down guy and pass rush threat as well. I've got him listed as maybe this year's Travis Jones. If anyone listened to this last year, I love Travis Jones out of Yukon last season. He had sort of similar issues and he's done all right in his first year and I think he will as well. But uh, again, right, interesting, the, the Clemson guys, they go right under the radar because of the two big ones in the first round. And, and we love Jared Clark. He's a great player. I th I'm looking forward to seeing him this week. Yeah, Clemson had a really good underrated defensive line last year or two, as you mentioned. Health. Like, say, Brian tore the ACL. Uh, guy, these two guys, like, say, have shown flashes about lack of durability. And also, the kind of some of them, like, designated, like, say, like, third and fourth uh, down guys, first and second, where they're, they're really best if they start well or they're finishers. So they both make really good, maybe, middle-round prospects. Clark's a funny one because you you think, like, he's too heavy. Like I say, for a 6-1 build, you feel like that's a lot of weight on him that he's put on. And gonna, is someone going to ask him to take some of it off? I feel like they might be asked to shed a few pounds if he's not going to want to be pigeoned into that just play nose tackle kind of role. If he does want to kick out to one of the further gaps to try generate some pressure, I feel like he needs to probably work on his athleticism if he wants to be a bit more versatile, a bit more scheme versatile. I feel like right now in his current position, he was very effective at Chanticleers, but I feel like he probably needs to work on it's not just about losing weight, it's about controlling his body, learning what's best for his frame. Like I say, he can get 
the the nutritionist the value work on there the footwork he's a short guy so he's able to get underneath people he's someone that will look to use leverage only being six one and then work from there he's never gonna outstrength some guys like i said but if you can get under them and lean them back then he can use those angles so he'll work well against taller guys but things he needs to work on but yeah he's definitely a project i'd say he's got an interesting body type like say massive lower half that makes him like one of those impenetrable tree trunk legs but then like i said the, the arms are a bit short at the top is so he's gonna have to learn how to use the frame that he's got but i like this whole group in general because there's not the other half got, like I say, a lot of flashy names. Like I say, but some of them, and none of these are household names. A lot of people won't even know who some of these guys are. So I feel like this is part of what you want from the senior world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I say, in, in, in regards to the Glensing guys, they come from a system which knocks out these guys every season to NFL standard. And, and when you've got two outstanding prospects on the line, the rest of them go under the radar. I mean, to be honest, I'd not really watched these guys too much before I started doing this. And it's like, wow. No one's talking about them, and they're actually pretty good. Um, so yeah, interesting group there. Let's, let's move it on to a few more. So the next um, the next few we've got, we've got Keon White from Georgia Tech. We've got Ali Gay from LSU, Cameron Young from Mississippi State, and the guy I've kind of fallen in love with a little doing this, Isaiah Maguire from Missouri. So we start with Keon White. To say he plays for Georgia Tech, he's an edge rusher there. He's 6'4, 267 pounds. And this is another really enticing prospect because of his size and the athletic ability. He's only just kind of beginning to tap his potential at the position because he was a two way player. He first started his college career at Old Dominion as a tight end. Then he transferred over to the defensive end and then transferred to Georgia Tech as well. Um, he missed a lot of his first season with a basketball injury he got in the offseason beforehand. Um, but he got this season his second season. He's had an eye on a full season to play. So there's still a lot of development to go because he's not played a great deal. But what you do see from him is really promising stuff so the positional versatility is a big plus for him he works well on the edge against the run again that 6-4 frame sort of allows him to get on top of bigger tackles seal that edge but the athletic ability as i mentioned it's crazy this guy can go inside and cause real disruption when it comes to rushing the passer so you can kind of slide him up and down depending on what you want to do with him and it's on tape he can go after running backs as well the running backs sort of on the wheel routes you know the middle in the slot guys he can keep pace with these so as a defensive end that's a really big plus to have from in there obviously the production isn't there it is indicative of a player who has undergone a positional change. He is still learning a position on the go, so I wouldn't worry too much about the lack of production. The technique is still rusty. It's undergoing a lot of work, but again, with the lack of time there, it's understandable. It's not like it's a player who's not picking up what he's doing. It's getting there. It's just a late transition for him. So a team who is going to draft him, they are going to need to be patient. But the upside with him is incredibly hard to resist. If you've got a guy who can seal the edge, disrupt on the interior, and drop into coverage as well. Again, another one of sort of these hybridy line guys. He is right up there if you're wanting to take a punt on someone later on. Um, moving on to Ali Gay. He is the edge from LSU. He is 6'6 six, six and 250 pounds. This is another big guy and another you'll be picking primarily for developmental upside because he's got the build and he's got the physical tools but 
there are some flags unlike Keon White with him. So he showed out as a freshman. He got second all, second team all SEC honours. But then the progress has been really stagnant throughout his college career. He had more pressures in 2021 playing just 122 pass rushing snaps than he did this season playing 273. And no part of the game seems to have vastly developed more than his freshman year two years ago. So again, if it's concerning because he's not developed. It's not like White who's not been at the position long. He's had a little longer and he's not quite got there. But he's 6'6", he's 250 pounds. You have developmental upside. Someone may end up very well loving that. Um, and you've got Cameron Young. He's the Mississippi State nose tackle as of now. He's 6'3", 316 pounds. May necessitate a move going up to the NFL now. So he's predominantly a power rusher. He's got a one-arm bull rush, backs it up with real great power from a very strong, stout set of legs that he has on him. But other moves you see very sporadically and not to too great an effect. So, you know, he's a nose tackle who can bull rush, basically. And that's it. Um, he plays physical enough, but there's an inability to hold the point of attack, which means he's probably going to have to shift further down in line in the NFL. If you can't deal with double teams and keep it going there, you're going to have to shift out because you'll not succeed in a 3-4 defense like that. Um, he can push pockets, but he can't collapse them in the run game, and he lacks the pursuit speed to really get after quarterbacks and running backs when he does win. So likely a day three flyer for someone looking for a bit of depth interior D for pass rush purposes but not sure what he's potentially going to do in the long run and then the one I really want to talk about with you right Isaiah Maguire so this is the edge from Missouri he is 6'4 he is 275 pounds and having watched him he's now one of the big dark horses of this edge class for me he has been very productive on quite honestly a very poor Missouri team facing high caliber SEC option he's very experienced with 30 starts but in the last two seasons he's got 28 tackles for loss 14 and a half sacks three forced fumbles and he averages a 75 grade against the run and over that pressure overall he's got 72 quarterback pressures and 67 run stops also highly disciplined just two penalties to his name in a four-year career so far so again Ideal size and strength for the NFL, especially coming off the edge. Great footwork off the snap during the rep. He attacks with a plan, so he knows what he's doing. He's got the move of counters. If the pass rush move doesn't work, he can counter and he will go again. Defends very strongly against the run. Got a great ability to locate the ball, meaning that he can adjust his run defense to suit. And he's offering your scheme versatility as well, because he plays DE, but he also could play outside linebacker in a 3-4 system. So a defensive coordinator can kind of play around with him to maximize his potential. The only thing for me he really needs to do is add a bit more strength to his frame because his bull rush isn't so good and you kind of want that going to the next level. Um, and he does need to finish some of his rushes a little better. There is a little bit of missed production because he can get a little bit overzealous and miss opportunities. But I mean... You develop this guy right, you are going to have a very effective hybrid at the next level. And to get, I always, when you have that level of production in the SEC on a bad team, I always take note. But I'm really high on him, Ryan. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing him at the Senior Bowl. This group in general, I think, is is interesting. Like you say, you've got a former tight end that 
he's gone from trying to break contain that has learned how to set the edge really fast uh, good hips so he's able to flip his hips mirror a running back as you say on a wheel a tight end that wants to go out on like a crossing route or a dig he'll track them across the field and pass them off so he has got that level of one of the more athletic guys uh, he's good at diagnosing players he won't get fooled by emotions because in the back of his mind he'll kind of have a knack for understanding blocking schemes he knows where the point of attack should be if he's lined up with a tight end over him that kind of gives him maybe a mental advantage playing the position before so he offers tons of versatility off the edge like i say he can you can teach a guy to pass rush but you can't always teach them how to set the edge how to contain how to bounce guys back inside or to pass guys off or cover flats things like that so he offers something that maybe the rest of the guys don't offer uh ali gear see this is like the caleb on chase and all over again the flashiness that has not shown the production dropped off that good frame can play outside play the edge can do everything he's got the good size he's got the long frame but regressed a lot this year like saying i know lsu did but that's not really going to cut it as an excuse so for him he needs to show out and he needs to show that he's more than just a big strong kid that doesn't have the uh the arsenal pass rush move so it for him this is probably bigger than for a lot of other guys so that but and then like you say uh the other two guys i agree with you that i am most intrigued by the kid from missouri production and that's not easy because missouri have not been a powerhouse since like shane ray the last top level defensive lineman they produced a few years ago it's been a bit of a few barren years for the tigers they've really struggled in the sec to hold their own but not for want of trying i say this kid generates pressure he is a bit excitable as you mentioned like i say he can overshoot gaps he can swing out an arm at a qb and miss or he can forget to wrap up maybe try lay the wood a bit but these are things you can teach like I say, he's got everything that you don't need to teach like I say, you can learn to use angles get under pads better if he wants to ball rush but if he can win around the outside or come through the inside and not have to necessarily go through him i'd take that over a guy that can only win just using raw strength and needs to work everything else because one's a lot more teach easier to teach than the other so i like this group it's versatile they offer something different and they've all got pretty good size to them too so I think it's a good line to work with and there could be some class, uh, surprises in his class. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the more I've looked at it, the more I've sort of been intrigued sort of away from the day one line prospects, especially for us. You get some of these guys and you sit and develop them. They could be something really special. Right, we're about halfway through, so we'll crack on with the uh, rest of these. So the next few we've got up, and I will have to say this slowly because the name is very difficult so Adai Tamua Adabare he is the three tech to edge guy for Northwestern then we've got Zach Harrison from Ohio State Jalen Redmond from Oklahoma and Tyler Lacey from Oklahoma State so for Adabare he's an interesting prospect as so much it's going to be very interesting to see how he's viewed by NFL teams so he's scheme versatile he's played 401 snaps at defensive tackle 
269 at the four tech, a little bit inside from that, and then 1,242 snaps as a pure edge rusher. So he's got experience all three spots from three tech outwards. So despite playing less on the interior, the best snaps on his reps, you see that actually do come on the interior. He's got a really explosive get off. He's got a good center of gravity. It allows him to hit gaps quickly and be in the backfield in a flash. He's highly athletic. He's got good pursuit speed off the edge as well, which is where sort of the edge appeal comes with him as well. There's a lack of bend and flexibility on the edge though, which is why they're thinking maybe he might be pushed inside a bit. And this concerns whether he has sort of the anchor to play a full complement of snaps too far on the interior where he's going to get double teamed a lot more. So, so the question for sides is how are they going to utilize him effectively to make him worth the investment? But again, he's got sort of the tools you want. It's just figuring out how to use him to the best ability. But yeah, Adabare, he's a potential another one of those guys out there who you will take a nice long look at. Um, moving on to Zach Harrison. He's the edge from Ohio State. He's a big guy, 6'6", 272 pounds. This guy's, this guy's a monster. He's played over 1,500 snaps on the outside. He's only ever played 80 on the interior, so pure edge guy. The blend of size, length, and explosiveness that he has, this is a, this is a bet on trades guy. This is a guy who you pick for them sort of trades, and you, you go all in on him and try and develop him. Um, you know, if you get all those, if you get, you have such a ceiling on a player with a guy who has all those. So the length he has, it allows him to hit first in exchanges. It creates the separation he needs to be able to deploy his, you know, pass rush plans as they were. They're well thought out. He's got a various set of moves and counters depending on the situation. He really seems to plan out his rushes quite thoroughly. Um, the production's gone up year by year in college. It's never been spectacular numbers that maybe it should have. He was a five-star guy with a lot of hype around him, but the numbers have gotten better year on year, which is kind of what you want to see. Um, the length he also uses to affect the quarterback in more than pass rushing. He's got seven battered passes in the last two seasons. So he is one of these guys sort of on the edge who will drop into coverage and affect the quarterback if he can't do it rushing the passer. He gets up in the throwing lanes, he makes plays. He's got an interception in there as well from doing as such. Um, there are issues to resolve. He plays too tall a lot of the time and obviously that means guy gets under you, into your pads, pulls you up, you're out the play. He's got to learn to play a little bit lower um, and he's got to learn to stop getting pushed outside so much. A lot of times quarterbacks can escape through the routes that are made by him getting pushed outside too far. There's sort of lots of areas he needs little bits of improvement, but overall he's actually quite a good player. So I'm going to be interested to see how teams value him, but there's a lot to like in terms of his size and his coverage skills as at the end as well. Um, then you've got Jalen Redmond. He's the three technique from Oklahoma. He's 6'2", 279 pounds. He's another former five-star commit who has probably underachieved quite badly in his five-year at college. So he had just a handful of snaps in his freshman year in 2018. He opted out the COVID year in 2020. He played just four games in 2019, seven in 2021, and eight in 2022. So it is not the biggest body of work to go off. He also has a DUI charge against his name from 2020. And he's going to be 24 and a half by the time his first NFL season starts. So, um, and he also sort of had issues deciding which weight he wanted to play at. He started as a defensive end before moving inside the defensive tackle and has yet to put a full season of work together. Having said that, 
There is a reason he was a five-star recruit, and although he's maybe not put it together so far, he has shown in glimpses the potential to be a very good player at the NFL level, and that there's still a lot of untapped potential in there in the right situation. That's probably going to be the biggest selling point for him. So he's explosive off the ball, relentless motor, very powerful, very quick, sort of those traits he can build a solid foundation on at the next level if you're going to be a penetrating sort of three-tech defensive tackle. Those are the traits that you want in a guy. Um, but with Oklahoma, their systems are weird on the D-line. He sort of was tasked with a lot of two-gapping, uh, which means he, he does have the experience to play all over the interior, but it's not really his thing. It was like with Perry and Winfrey last year we talked about him. He was their nose tackle. He was quite blatantly a three-tech. And at the senior bowl, you saw how good he was as a three-tech. I think you might see the same thing with Redmond here. I think they've misused him, how they've done at college, which may explain the lack of development. I don't know. Uh, the play recognition is good. The control balance at the line of scrimmage is good when grappling with guys. It's, it is a gamble pick. But the upside, again, incredibly tempting if you can figure out the play weight and you can get him playing to his potential at the three-tech. And then the last of these guys for this group, Tyler Lacey from Oklahoma State. He's the three-tech to edge there. He sort of plays on the outside of the line. He's 6'4", 285 pounds. This is an all-power lineman. He is all about the power. He's got excellent play recognition skills. He's got a natural ability to read and react to blocks. High-level motor. Plays well at the point of attack. He's very stout against the run. He can, he can hunker on in there and set an edge as and when he needs to. Problems with him come with leverage. Um, it's really quite a big problem for him. So if he's able to get moved out the way a little bit too easily needs to get the technicals right when it comes to that um, and with him being played all over the line he's another one it's it's hard to project where he's going to be best in the NFL he sort of lacks the length and the flexibility to win on the edge but there are questions over whether he is explosive enough to play right down on the interior so you might need to find a tweener position for him in between and these are questions he's going to need to answer at the senior bowl we'll see how they use him there but you know sort of moving on from the intriguing prospects there where we've got a couple the five stars who didn't work out the ones who can still be sort of saved here again intriguing but for different reasons to some of the guys we've had so far a lot of these guys are really frustrating like zach harrison like for the size and the rare tools he's been gifted with they feel wasted he is just I don't feel like he has utilized everything he's been given to him as you mentioned I saw in like the playoffs this year he stands way too high like so he's got to learn to get lower and use his bottom half better or he won't succeed at the next level or even potentially at the senior bowl I feel like he'll really struggle against the best uh, offensive linemen so I feel like he's going to be someone that's is boom or bust if he's never going to really get it together so I, find, I think he's got a lot to lose but also quite a lot to gain uh, the rest of them I feel like all of them in general like I say not all been used to their best of their capabilities or in bad schemes or say some of them they've got the good frames or they need to put weight on they're not strong enough so I feel like these the last group we've made now may have need to do the most work to win people over these are probably your day three guys yeah your projects like when the lions took like jay sean cornell that's probably where they're kind of space about taking zach right now 
like I say, got size, got speed, like I say, he's got hands and he's to learn how to use it, but for all these guys, it's never really come together. Like I say, they've got gifted raw tools that you can't teach, but they're not quite sure just how to use them. Yeah, and it's very difficult when you... It's all right being a hybrid guy who plays up and down the line, but if you kind of don't have a speciality area because of that, then it can really hold you back at the next level because teams are like, well, what do I do? Not, not everyone sort of slides people up and down the line. They, they like specialists on there. So, and as I said, when it comes to the five-star guys who haven't worked out, you kind of give them a lot shorter shrift than the guys who've sort of worked their way up and not played as much and are still developing because it's not their fault that they haven't. So, yeah, interesting group there, but I don't know if there's anyone quite on the radar uh, for me there. Right, let's move on to the next few. So we've got Tavius Robinson from Old Miss, DJ Johnson from Oregon, Zach Pickens from South Carolina, and Dylan Horton from TCU. We've all seen him recently. So Tavius Robinson, he is like kind of the first of our really wide guys here. So he plays five tech all the way out to the wide nine. Six six, two hundred and sixty-five pounds, another in this huge untapped potential category rare size athletic and character traits all rolled into one and his story is actually really great so he played up in canadian college football all the way up until 2020 when covid sort of wiped out their season they didn't play any college football at all so he was sort of reduced to training in one of his friends sheds him and his mate putting together and he put together a highlight reel which he posted online hoping to get picked up by a school in America. It was picked up by quite a few Division I schools actually. And he started getting offers from the SEC, but even then he felt so bad about letting his team down up in Canada by leaving them in the lurch, it took a lot to persuade him. All his coaches and his teammates had to persuade him to take the offer and come on down. So that kind of loyalty in a player I do really admire in a way. Um, so he relented eventually. He picked Old Miss and he seemed to... He seemed to take really well to it. So the step up in competition is obviously huge. It took a little bit of time for him to adapt and grow his game over 2020 and 21. But this year, 2022, his game's really come on leaps and bounds. So Old Miss, they play multiple fronts. You know, again, sort of very versatile with the guys up there. But his better work comes outside the tackle. Like I say, the five tech out to the nine. He excels from the four-point stance, the explosion and speed he has, wins in reps on the edge very quickly. But the length and athleticism he has means he can hit them on either the inside or the outside. And he's got a real good set of counters to guys in there. So he is a nightmare to be able to block. The length is a real difference maker there for him. Issues do come on the interior when he is asked to focus a bit more on the run game. The point of attack strength is not quite there due to his lean frame, hence why you rush him from outside so he can get ahead of steam going. Um, he seems much more suited as a pass rush guy and sort of an edge ceiling run guy, but you don't really want to drop him inside so much. And again, the experience in Division One football, he's he's not began to reach his ceiling as a player yet, so it's very intriguing to see how teams value him when it comes to the draft, but he's he's on a very steep upwards curve at the minute as far as his career is going. I mean, I said I'll do a few there, Byron, but I'll, I'll stop it here because you watch Old Miss a lot. I've watched this guy. I mean, from where he's come from, what he's done, he's to go from Canadian football to being an integral part of that line so quickly is really impressive, and, and there's a lot to love about him. Yeah, it's a massive step up in the level of competition. Uh, following nicely in the 
path of Sam Williams, the uh, edge rusher they produced last year that got a good middle day or two round pickup by the Cowboys that was very productive in his rookie season. Ole Miss have got a knack for bringing in talent. Portal, almost, I suppose, catching trades, like you say, getting this kid in that was struggling, needed to find a school quickly. And the step up from, I know, I think some of the U- Canadian colleges like uh, McMaster, Concordia, like Laval, to jump them to the SEC is kind of like, it's crazy. That is a huge step up in competition. And he took to it like a duck out of water. I feel like he's been battle hardened. And I feel like he's he could make the jump at the next level. I see he's gone through the small schools. He's worked. He's grinded. And the Ole Miss defensive line was nothing to write home about this year. Uh, in general, the defense wasn't at times, but he definitely held his own. And the success or the failure would never have rested on his shoulders. He he put in a really good, solid performance and showed why a lot of teams shouldn't have passed on him and should have taken a chance on the young man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think someone will take a chance on this one for sure. I don't think he's going to fall through the cracks at all. I think he's going to have a very impressive showing at Senior Bowl Week. So I remain very interested to see what Tavius Robinson does there. Right, uh, let's move on to the other three few I had in there. So we've got DJ Johnson from Oregon first. Oh, he's an edge player as well. He's 6'4", 258 pounds. Another who's had a really tough road to the NFL draft. He started his career in Miami with the Hurricanes. He redshirted his freshman year, then he transferred to Oregon, and this was back in the day when when you transferred between schools, you had to sit out a year. So he didn't play any snaps his first two years, barely. The next two years, he only played 318 snaps as he tried to work his way into the Oregon rotation. Um, But he did break into starter reps this season, but due to the lack of football overall, he is still really underdeveloped as a pass rusher, and he's going to need to land in the right situation where coaches are prepared to be patient with him. Um, It doesn't help that he's going to be 24 as well, so he is on the older side of things. So, you know, teams are going to have to wait longer to get something out of him. So this is a big commitment that you're going to make to a guy who's going to be older by the time he's going to be the finished product. Um, But saying that, there's a reason again why he's going to the draft. The size is outstanding. The athleticism that he needs is all there. The scouts will be... You know, the scouts will pay attention to that. The first step, very explosive. Can power rush his way to the quarterback. Um, He's also one of the better defensive line prospects this year. When it comes to dropping into coverage, it is something that Oregon do. They do drop the tackles quite often. Um, So maybe he might be able to fight out a niche there, but we'll see. Um, Zach Pickens is next up from South Carolina. He's 6'4", 305 pounds. He plays in the 0-3 to technique, so... Very versatile interior lineman here. The block deconstruction in the run game, this is his elite trait. Um, He's got the power and the length to go one-on-one with offensive linemen, force them into the backfield or just straight up swipe them out the way and get in there himself. Um, Once you go one-on-one, it's over with him. Does struggle a little bit when he is double teamed, which is going to raise flags for the teams who run a 3-4 defense. He probably will not be a nose tackle at the next level and they won't be interested. Um, in the past game, he's got the ability to win reps quickly, again, get in the backfield in a flash, but if he struggles with the opening pass rush move, that's usually him done and he loses the reps, so there's a lot of style to it, but not a lot of substance, I think is the one 
way to describe this guy. I mean, again, another who has the tools to succeed at the next level, but he's not shown it in college so far. He might be able to crack a 4-3 rotation over time, but he's got a lot of work to becoming a valuable three-down guy. So we'll see with him. And then the last one for this group, Dylan Horton. Michigan fans will have seen him recently and won't like the mention of the name. He's from TCU. He's 6'4", 250 pounds. Another plays in the three-tech to edge area, but edge at the next level is more likely. And I say he was one of the heroes of the TCU team that reached the natty this year. He had a three-sack performance against Michigan in that big upset win in the playoff semifinals. Another player who took his time to get going. Two years spent at New Mexico before traveling, uh, before transferring to TCU for the last three years. Um, first three seasons, he played less than 500 snaps, but in the last two years, he's amassed nearly 1,300 um, and 69 quarterback pressures, 80 tackles, and 61 run stops. He's been very productive once he's nailed down a starting position at TCU. Again, another versatile lineman, spends most of it on the edge, but he's got 200 snaps at 3-tech as well, so you can kind of use him inside if you need to. Very high motor guy, you can see that in the way he plays. They needed to be in that Michigan game. He was going till the final play of the game. Plays with a lot of violence against the run. He's not afraid of contact with anybody. He's got the hand skill to win the reps whilst doing so. And another one who can drop back and chase down ball carriers in coverage. Um, as pass rusher, quick first step to win round the edge, but he needs to get his counter repertoire up and going. His counters are not very good, so if a lineman gets on top of him, that is usually all said and done for him. Um, so yeah, there's a nice little group here, but I think it's just a group that has been stunted by slow development at the start and again you're kind of betting on the traits hoping that they carry on on this production upwards but Horton's been really good this year I can see a lot of teams loving him very quickly yeah but my own problem with Horton is it'll be a consistency like so we saw him show up in the biggest game of his career but he's kind of like recency bias like I said I, I didn't I watched a lot of the games this year and there were some games where I didn't even know we were there like I say, he can do it on the biggest stage when it's asked, but can he do it when there's not so much pressure on him? Can he do it on a consistent basis? Like I say, can he uh, can he do it as well against some of the stronger guys? Two hundred fifty pounds is pretty light. He is going to have to show that he's got proper strength behind that lightweight. Like I say, he's going to have to maybe pack on some muscle because that frame could do with a little bit more on it. He's not going to win. I say ball rushing anyone, not 256-4, not against like a six foot seven, like a, a McGlinchey or something like that. He he may struggle. Uh Pickens, he's got a good frame. Like I say, he will work well inside. I say he's never gonna be picked up by a three tech team. Like I say, if he can't disengage off one of his blocks and a double team, or if he's too easy to pick off against and you just you just two up on him, put either side of him, and he can't win in the run game, that that blocks him out of half the schemes in the league. And unfortunately, he'll he'll have to settle for a rotation on a 4-3. So he's going to have to show that he's able to overcome adversity and when he's overloaded, that he can still generate or hold his own, at least in the trenches. If he can't hold his own against the double team, he'll never be able to play in that 0-1-2. That to one, two. Like I say, you'll have to just move him out where he'll be more out of his comfort zone. So he's going to have to be able to show that he can do the dirty work as well as pass rush. Uh, DJ Johnson, average all-rounder. Oregon have never been known for the defensive line. 
uh, especially not this year. Like I said, their front seven has always made life a bit easier. They've always relied on great linebacker player and guys like that coming up and stacking the box, strong safeties. So I feel like he this could be a big step on competition for him. I feel like he needs to prove that he can mix it with the big boys. I say he's not had those highlight real games. So he is probably one of the bigger projects, I think, especially of the group we've just named right now. So, yeah. But there's guys on there that are kind of like one-dimensional that need to prove that they can do other assets of the game. And then some guys out there that are just huge but need to prove that behind that size and that length is actually substance. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. That's why these guys come to the Senior Bowl. You, you don't get a lot of the round oneers here who are sort of all-round great and are going to get picked really early on. This is where you come to put some questions to bed and answer some questions particularly people have about you. Right, we've got two groups left and then we're done with the D-line. And, and speaking of first-round picks, we have a potential couple in here now and maybe one of them I'll upset a lot of people with with my uh, with my you know thoughts about him but we'll see so um we've got tyree wilson from texas tech keanu benton from wisconsin siaki Ika from baylor and then yaya diaby from louisville so tyree wilson in the name very big on specifically lions fans hungs at the moment this is a potential he is a potential top 10 pick in the NFL, and there are a lot of people saying the Lions should potentially take him at six. He is 6'5", 275 pounds, plays from the fore-eye to the edge, so the fore-eye's kind of on the edge, on the outside shoulder of the guard, all the way out to the edge. He's versatile, he's an all-dominating lineman with positional versatility, but at the next level, where does he play? Now, this is one thing I have with him. I, I, I think he's more of a 3-4 defensive end, where he's going to be suited playing inside the tackle and using using his explosiveness to sort of gap shoot and do his damage from there. I don't think he's got the outright speed to be an, a threatening edge player at the next level. That is just my thing with him, though. I'll put it out there in a minute, though. Feel free to disagree with that one, but he's probably going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL, so we'll probably we'll be seeing a lot of him. You'll be seeing a lot of stuff written about him. Um, Keanu Benton is up next, so he is the Wisconsin nose tackle, 6'4", 315 pounds, one of, if potentially not the most dominating run-stuffing nose tackle in college football. He's got the size, the length, the brute strength. It's a perfect combination to be nose tackle. He's got a vicious long arm, which he uses to generate leverage on linemen. He can walk them exactly where he wants to go, and he's got the power and strength to just about ruin everybody in a one-on-one -on -one situation and even with double teams he's really good when it comes to the two gap in maintaining his gaps you know the stout legs just keeping everything you know stuck you know keeps himself in the game doesn't let himself get taken out by double teams there were questions asked about his pass rushing upside coming into this season but he has started to answer them he had a half dozen sacks including sacks in each of the last four games of the season. So it was an area that saw progression as the season went on and the move set for him definitely increased. It's not elite yet, but it is better than it was and it was a question that he's answered this season. Saying that, 
He's unlikely to be a true pass rushing threat at the next level, so much as a guy who can help out when needed, but really, you're getting this guy to anchor a 3-4 defense that knows he's going to become vital to a team very quickly, especially as more people go back to a three-man front there. I would expect to see his name called day two. I don't think it will be in a dissimilar to position to where we took a Lee McNeil a few years back, maybe a bit later, because he doesn't have the pass rush upside, but certainly in that area for me I would expect to see him and then we've got Siaki Ika the nose tackle to one tech guy from Baylor he is 6'4 and 358 pounds I see a lot of people mocking him to the Lions and I just don't get it um so he's an acre for me I d I have a lot of problems with this game here so he's an a-gap defender he's really mobile for a 360 pound man, I will tell you, yeah, for his size, he moves like a guy who's 260 pounds. Um, the potential to be a very versatile nose tackle, but for me, with all the good that you get with the game, there are concerns that come with him too. So he had a breakout 2021 season. He won Big 12 Newcomer of the Year. He made an impact as both a pass rusher and a run defender. It shows he can impact both phases of the game which for a nose tackle and a one tech is invaluable if they can do both. But in 2022, that production's plummeted. The pressure number is halved. He didn't have a single sack this season. And Baylor noticeably started taking him out of the team on obvious passing downs for more dynamic players who were affecting the game. That affects potentially the three down ability going forward at the next level, which for me will impact team's thoughts on him. The build and the speed he possesses are naturally going to be alluring traits. I get that. He can give interior linemen nightmares when they're one-on-one. -on -one, but again, there's stuff to worry about here. The double teams. I don't think he deals with it particularly well. The length is a problem. They get underneath him. They take him out of a play. Double teams are a big issue for him. And if you're going to be a nose tackle in the league, you've got to two-gap. And I don't see him being able to do that at the next level at the moment. Um... He's got a tackling issue, so the career tackling missed rate is 20%, but you know what? You want to know what his missed tackle rate this year was? 28%. For a guy who you're banking on to be a space eater and bring down running backs as kind of your first level of defense, a near 30% missed tackle rate and 20% over your career, that is worrying. Now, don't get me wrong, he is likely going to get drafted early because of the crazy size and the athleticism, but for me... He needs to become a lot more dynamic to give himself third down value. Otherwise, I don't really know what you're getting with him. I mean, I'll leave it there because I feel like you want to disagree with me on this one. But I think there's a lot of problems there with him. I'm not sold. Oh, no, I agree. I don't want the Lions to touch him. <clears throat> I think he's way too easy to neutralise. Like I say, he's athletic, but he's heavy. If he, once, once contain is broken, he's never chasing anyone down. He is never going to turn on them heels. Like I say, the hips, they're, they're not fluid enough. Like I say, he's never going to get side to side. So keeping a turn is a struggle. Like I say, if you can take him down and double team, like I say, if you can literally just get underneath him or get someone like just pancake him, jar him, he's in trouble. And yeah, as soon as you know it's a passing down, he, I just don't think he's any good. I say, if a QB takes a three or four yard drop, he's never going to get there. He's going to have to just sit tight and probably get in passing lanes because I feel like that is where he's going to really struggle. I say the the speed is just not there. Despite having the size athleticism, lacks speed. 
it takes too long to get going. And then when he does get going, missing nearly one in three tackles this year, that's bad. That's really, really bad. And Baylor, yeah, let's say, all right, Dave Araza, last year, a force to be reckoned with. This year, absolutely woeful. A shell of their former selves. And that defense that was so stingy and physical this year got rolled over a few times. So, yeah, like the regression is also the team, but he kind of fell off the cliff himself too. So I feel like he, he's got a lot of questions to be answered. Why a guy of that size, of that lesser athleticism, that, that, that unique blend was not productive, even on a really bad team. If on a really bad team, you should actually stand out more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Going to Tyree Wilson, for me, I wish people would stop mocking him at six. I love the guy, but for me, that's just way too rich. I watched him against TCU this year, and he did good. Like I say, he caused Duggan some problems. He's got that natural, huge caveman frame. He's slender. He's got a bit of bend. Like I say, the run game is all right. There's a lot to work with. But I feel like the eye test, he passes straight away because he just looks dominated. But there's more I want to see before I commit such a huge investment into him. But he's definitely going to be, I think, probably the biggest riser. If he has a good senior ball and he goes to the combine, yeah, potential to be a top five pick. But, I mean, do you agree with me? Do you think he looks better in a three-man front as opposed to four? I, I don't th- I don't see the edge rusher there in him. But, again, then if he is a three, three-man DT, he's not a Lions fit because we don't really need one. We need really more of an interior guy. I, I don't see the fit. I don't, I, he's a good player, but I just, not for us. No, I don't see the fit here. I, I'm not adjusting around a player. No. The front we've got right now works for us. If he can't fit in that, if he can't use the bend to get around the outside as an edge rusher on a four-man front, or he can't take that step quickly and beat a guy up the inside, then it won't work. We can't. Pl- we, we've shown in the past we can't play with a narrow front and succeed. It just never works. We have to spread the offensive line out. We have to get them pulling tight ends in to try chipping and guys like that. We need to help. We need to make them stack the O line and spread it out. I say, if we're too narrow, we can't win. So there's guys like him. Like he's got to be able to win on the outside. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I just don't see the fit with us, but I think he's going to be a great player for some. But we'll see how they use him at the senior bowl. If, if he can be an edge player, great. But I just don't see it at this moment in time. Right, and then we're finishing off the D line guys. God, there's been a lot of them. Uh, Yaya Diaby from Louisville. We got Ruke Ohohoro from Clemson. Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame, which I'll hand straight over to Rye when we get to him. And then maybe the most intriguing prospect of them all, Carl Brooks from Bowling Green. So Yaya Diaby will start with first six four. 270 pounds he plays from the four eye to the edge so again on the outside of the guard all the way onto the edge there he's a three-year starter who has taken the majority of his snaps lined up over the tackle but he's also taken a good number of reps inside sort of at the three and the four so he can do a little bit of both but he could do with finding a home and truly mastering a position that is the problem with these versatile guys you need to have somewhere really 
where you are elite. It looks like for him it might be at edge. His productivity has rocketed this season including a huge three sack game against Florida State and as much as I love to run the mill about them they were a really good side this season and not many guys have sat Jordan Travis three times in a game this season. He's got the arm length and upper body strength needed to help him win off the edge and he's got the speed to power move as well. It's very impressive so these are kind of the things you expect more of an edge rusher than a guy on the inside. He needs to carry on developing though. The move set is limited at edge because he's not always played there so you know there's going to be another one where he's got an immediate ceiling as sort of a designated pass rusher. Uh, you've got to sort the run game out, you've got to sort the move set out but he has the tools required to do it. Um, then you've got Orhoro, uh, he's the last guy from Clemson, I think he was a late addition hence why he wasn't with the other two earlier. Um, he's their nose tackle, but he plays all the way out to 4i, which is weird. He plays all over, this guy does. 6'4", 295 pounds. Again, another one who's just been overlooked with Brissier Murphy existing. He's actually from Michigan. He was the first Michigan commit to, uh, commitment to go from Michigan to Clemson since 1975 like the first guy from a Michigan high school to go down there. So he's got tremendous developmental upside. He's not had much experience. He's just got two years playing high school and two years as a starter at Clemson. His modus operandi is gap shooting. He's got a lean build. He carries his weight well, has an ability to get skinny, contort the body and really get in between gaps even where they don't appear to be any. It's a real pain for offensive linemen to be able to stop him. Um, the exposure going along the line, it's allowed him to create a niche so he can sort of gap shoot over the line where it's between a center and a guard or a guard and a tackle. He's sort of kind of got good at all of it, so he's really exciting as a pass rushing prospect going forward. The lack of experience is going to hinder him. Um, he's much better athletically than technically. He's not a reliable run defender at this point, so he's going to need a lot of work there. But again, you're coming from a system that churns out NFL talent, so don't bet against him. You're probably looking at a day two, maybe early day three pick for him at this moment in time because of the pass rushing upside he gives you immediately. Um, I'll move over Foskey because I'll give him to Ryan in a minute. Carl Brooks, he's a darling of a lot of draft guys at the minute because of the season he's had. So he comes from Bowling Green in the MAC. He's 6'4", 300 pounds. Again, another who plays on the four-eye to the edge. There's a lot of these guys in this class here. Um, so, yeah, he's been the true breakout star of this season. Maybe in college football edge. He had a 93 PFF grade, which led all edge players in college football. And he helped Bowling Green to their best record ever since 2015. That was despite losing to an FCS team at home. I think it was Eastern Washington in like a 100-point game. He's a two-time team captain. He is vastly experienced. He's played 2,500 snaps. He plays every phase of special teams and is a potential steal later on in this draft. So he's huge for an edge at 300 pounds. He is a big edge guy, but he sort of translates it into power and athletic ability. He uses all that weight and he's still able to make it to the quarterback in good time. And he's got a full move set when it comes to pass rushing. Always gives a player an advantage when you've got that. And he's got a good set of counters on him as well if he's initially beaten on the rep. So he's big, he's strong, he's quick. Um, he's had a great season. The issues come from the fact that he is a small school guy. The Mac has not been great this year, so you have to take that into consideration. But this is why he's going to go to the Senior Bowl. If you see him, you see Carl Brooks show out here, 
he is going to go right up draft boards, probably well into day two the way he's going, but he's one to watch absolutely on that defensive line if you're looking for a draft gem potentially. Um, so a few interesting ones on the end there, Ryan. I mean, first, like Carl Brooks. I mean, I don't know how much you've watched of him, but I'm really excited to see him going forward and then maybe a bit on Foskey because I know you love Foskey. Oh, Brooks, yeah, he was... He could have won best defensive player in the nation this year. A lot wanted him on the pole. He outperformed Anderson and guys like that. Like I say, it wasn't on the highest level, but he still had one of those like he had a ridiculous year. Like the, the stats are pretty crazy. I feel like people are going to love him. I feel like he's the kind of player they'll probably fall in love with. And even though he's only played at Bowling Green, like the Falcons have been bad for the last few years. I don't think that should work against him. I feel like he has got a lot to gain this year and could be one of those huge rapid rises that comes in on day two so i feel like he he doesn't have to do a lot to impress me but he just has to go up against some of these bigger better names still do what he does and i reckon someone will reach for him he could be a big reach but i feel like he has got a good long-term outlet i, I saw a bit of diaby this year too i like diaby only worries things that worries me is Playing against Malik Cunningham week in, week out, one of the best dual threat guys in the nation, he changes direction poorly. It's like there's a delay between him disengaging his brain and his feet. The speed is not there. He doesn't. He will not get off and set the edge. A QB, like a mobile QB, will get round him if you put him on the edge. So he needs to work on that. Disengaging and just overall lateral speed and movement needs to work on that. But he's a finisher. But things needs to work on, yeah. And yeah, Foskey, I love the guy. Like you say, Marcus Freeman, probably the most consistent player for the last three years. Uh, 26 and a half sacks uh, in back-to-back 11 sack years. So he was the consistency on the fight in D. 6'5", 6'6", 260, A very lean 270. He's built like a bean pole. But like I say, he's got a tremendous motor. He just does not stop. Like, think of Hutch. He will just, he's an every down guy. He will not take a break. Like I say, a bit stiff. Like I say, if, a, if an offensive lineman tries to shepherd him all the way around, you might be able to neutralize him. But he uses his frame, the length, so well. Good set of pass moves. Like I say, he's a strong finisher. Like I say, I had two back to back great second years. But playing the run and stepping inside, He's got like boxer, boxing glove hands. Like I say, he's got a nose for the ball. He's dislodged it seven times in two years. Like I say, he'll make the tackle first. Or if someone stands up, he will come in and he'll punch whatever's there. He'll rip. He'll go for the ball before the whistle's blown. He's an all-effort, non-stop guy. Like I say, huge frame, big motor. Like I say, needs to work on the technique, but I feel like he's going to go between like 20, 25 and 32. Like I said, the Lions could be there 18 if they want to take him. He's just as good at getting to run as he is pass rusher. I love him. I feel like I'm high on him some other people, but I feel like he could be a star at the senior ball. If he flashes out, top 20 pick potentially. Like I said, Marcus Freeman's loved him, and you just have to look at him. He's very physically imposing. If you could build an edge rusher, you'd build what he looks like. Like I said, the legs are a bit skinny, like I say, probably needs to work on the lower half a bit. Like I say, show himself up. But he's not had to worry many injuries or niggle in the last two years. But yeah, he, he has got an endless tank. And that's kind of what you look for at this level. If you can play every down, even obvious pass rushing downs where you, you might want to take him out and give him a break. But yeah, I kind of like him like Hutch. 
like I say, and they look the same too. So if you're looking for bookend defensive ends, like I say, like Foskey and Hutch on a four-man front, I feel like that'd be quite exciting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's the best edge rusher there, I think, in terms of like how good they are right now and how good they might be at the NFL. So I guess the pressure's on to look better than everybody else. But I agree with you. He he looks he looks amazing. So interesting to see what he does there. So that is the D line. It's taken a while, but there are a lot of D linemen. The other classes are not quite as big. So I mean, for me, the guys I would suggest you watch out for on the defensive line here. You've got Thomas Incoum, the edge from Central Michigan. Isaiah Maguire, the edge from Missouri. Do watch him. I think he's going to be a massive steal for somebody here. And then Carl Brooks, obviously you need to, you've got, you've got to give him serious consideration, the bowling green edge. I mean, out of everyone we've gone through, right, who, who would be the ones you would say to watch or who you're watching closest? Probably Carl Brooks. I'd, I I want to say that this year wasn't a fluke. I want to say that he... He he had like a top three player in the nation. Like sacks, turkles, losses combined, he was either first or second in the nation. At uh, uh, what they call the uh, uh, disruption rate, like you say, his percentage is so high at getting in the backfield, and whether he gets there and finishes or not, he disrupts the player. Like you say, he's just he's got that natural born talent to just just screw up an offensive plan. As you mentioned, against some questionable opposition. An offensive lineman, like I say, maybe at times he's had it a bit easy. Yeah. So let's see if you can do it against guys from like the Bay, the Big Ten, and the Big Twelve on the offensive line. If you can't do it, we know he's ceiling. If you can do it, right, the the, the sky's the limit. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent agree. Carl Brooks, the Bowling Green Edge, certainly want to watch at senior ball. Right, let's move this on because we've got a couple more groups to do. So we've got the linebackers up next, and I say linebackers. There are some. We're talking linebackers, outside linebackers, and not necessarily just guys on the interior. So the first group, we've got Henry 2020 from Alabama, Nick Hampton from Appalachian State, Andre Carter II from Army, and Eku Leota from Oban. So Henry 2020, another who gets very frequently mocked to uh, Lions mock drafts. So he's 6'2", 228 pounds, highly experienced linebacker at Alabama. He's got 3,199 snaps to his name. 2,950 of those are in the box, so he is an interior guy. He's a very high IQ player in both disciplines of the game. He can locate ball uh, ball carriers, and he's a ball hawk when watching for running backs. He watches QB progressions. He will get jumps on plays. He possesses incredibly good sideline-to-sideline speed to make plays quickly, especially when guys hit the perimeter. The lack of size, as in 6'2", 228, does cap his effectiveness when it comes to playing downhill. You can see on tape, he struggles with the downhill running backs who've got offensive linemen coming straight at him. They basically get a straight shot at him. Um, He doesn't really, he has strength, but he doesn't have the strength to deal with the linemen coming at him. He excels more in space and should be used as such. His coverage skills got better this year. It's not an aspect of his game he can hang his hat on just yet. It's uh, He's got a 76.8% complete, c- career completion rate against, but that is slowly getting better year on year, so there is coverage ability to him there as well. Nick Hampton, Appalachian State, so he is 6'3", 235 pounds. He's been an edge there his entire career, so I'm going to assume 
that the idea is to play him at outside linebacker during the senior bowl. So you may be looking at a, the first of the rush hybrid prospects here, and there are quite a few of them. The pass rush game has improved immeasurably over his time in college. He's one of the uh, certified Feldman's freaks, the guys who are athletically just at a different level than anyone else. He's got verified 34-inch arms, so you pair the length with that insane talent, he can overwhelm offensive linemen much bigger than him because he has a reach advantage and he has an athletic advantage. He's got a lot of bend in him, um, so he can get round the corner on the edge if you want to use him as a pass rusher, but he's also got the tools to gap penetrate in the interior as well, which is where the hybrid ability will really shine with him. And most importantly, he finishes his moves, so he's got good production over the years because he finishes a lot of his moves off he's not going to be appealing to teams who want to win now or don't like using hybrids so the market won't be all reaching for him but teams who can utilize sort of a pass rush first guy whilst developing the hybrid ability in him and his improvement in the run game they might find him a very alluring prospect indeed um, then we've got andre carter the second you might have heard a lot about him. He's the army edge rusher, 6'7 and 260 pounds. This guy is tall. He's like four inches taller than me. I'm pretty tall. So like Hampton, you're probably going to see a move from edge to outside linebacker in a 3-4 system because he has been a pure edge at army. He's high floor, potential high ceiling. So first and foremost, you get the leadership qualities from his time at West Point. He's a service guy. Usually the leadership signs out in these guys. The discipline is also a big plus point with him as well. And he's got the height, weight, and the speed of a standout athlete, even though he's 6'7". Um, he had a ridiculous 2021 season, which is when everyone started hearing about him. He had 15 sacks, 17 and a half tackles for loss, and forced, forced fumbles, which garnered a lot of attention. There's even rumours he might declare last year. He's had a declaring issue because service guys it's difficult but they've passed the bill specifically so him and a couple of others can declare for the draft this season but the productivity dropped massively in 2022 that is a concern but he is very much a project so he's shown that he can be a really good edge rusher so you can kind of forgive that a little bit and although the pass rush suffered his run defense got a lot better i would say dramatically so it went up about 20 points on his pff grade so he's shown that he can pass rush and he's shown the run defense is getting better obviously the level of height that he has advantages and drawbacks you can see it in the tape you know people can get under him a lot but he has a reach advantage so you know there's a lot of things to work out with him but you'd rather have the height than not technically there is a lot of work for him to do but you have to take into account He's not in a football environment. He's in a military environment where football is very much second. So the underdevelopment shouldn't be as much as a worry as it was as would with a guy who's been at college football his entire career. He's got the uncoachable traits and probably he is going to be like a maybe a three-year project a long time. But you could end up with a very good player at the end of it. So you are going pure up, you know, development pick for him. And then you've got Eku Leota. He is another edge who might be going to outside linebacker. So we're starting with the edges going to outside linebacker here. He's from Auburn, 6'4", 250 pounds. Spent three years at Northwestern before transferring to Auburn for the final two. His 2022 was ended prematurely with a torn pec muscle. 
but he had four sacks and 20 pressures in just over four games before the injury. So he was on a tear this season. He is a relentless pass rusher, a vast array of counter moves to use against tackles when the rush doesn't work, and he can set the edge really well against the run. Plays very hard at the point of attack there. His roar is a pass rusher. He needs to expand the arsenal of moves to go with the degree of counters he already has, but it, you know, the development, it's been hard for him with the injuries and that. So you're going to figure he's going to play outside linebacker at the next level. And maybe you will bring him back up to the line as a pure edge over time when you finish developing him. And you have the potential to play him at the 5 tech to the wide 9. So we've started with linebackers, right? But we're kind of back to maybe a bit where we were before. Obviously 2-0-2-0. The big one there, but potential for a lot of good hybrid guys in this group. See, I've got so many problems with this group. Like I say, Carter to me is a huge red flag. I I don't even know if I could throw a pick at him. The drop off in talent this year was crazy, and he just fell off a cliff. And then, like I say, he went so hard to pass this bill, and at midnight before the deadline, he'd still not declared. I've not even seen anywhere that he, he did declare. I've not even seen. I don't know if you have. Have you seen confirmation that he actually declared for the draft? Which one? I've not. Which one? Uh, Andre Carter. I've never seen that he even declared. I thought I he would have. I mean, I guess going to the senior yeah. bowl, he will have. But he fought for the Bills. I'm presuming he did, but he he left it to last second. But I don't know where to place him. Like I say the build to me worries me. Like I say, I think he's too tall. Like I say, I, I don't think he's heavy enough. I feel like he's too lean. Like I say, I feel like. He had that flash in the pan year, but this year went really counted. I don't know. He's going to be entirely scheme dependent. Like I say, he, he's yeah, he's got he's got a lot of work. Like I say, if he goes undrafted, it's because he's in a proper long term project. He's got all the physical tools, but like every aspect of the game needs work. Like I said, I don't really trust him against the run, but freak athlete that shown he can rush the passer. But as you mentioned. Army, like I said, that that's the big thing. Like someone that plays in the MAC, like I said, has probably got a lot better experience than someone that's played at Army. Even against level competition, like I said, their schemes and that, it's all pretty. I don't. Know, I want to say basic or simple, but he's never asked to do too much, too difficult. So that that there's going to be a lot to do there. But yeah, two or two, as you mentioned, he's never going to get past, like say, a lead blocker or even a fallback coming downhill and asking him to make a tackle in traffic, you might be asking for trouble. Like I say, the size is good, but it's not great. Like I say, I know people are mocking him to Lions. He's going to be, he's a project, a middle rounder. There's things I like, like I say, he's best in space, but in the run pursuit, I feel like he gets lost at times. Like I say, can't hold his own. That, that does worry me, but I'm more looking for a coverage backer. We've kind of got the guys that can play the run and play in the box. We need someone that He's better in space, so I'm not going to be asking him to come downhill and stop someone like Derek Henry because Christ should just be asking for trouble. He'll just get stiff armed. Yeah, he knows what he's good at. And then, yeah, make sure it's a Hampton, decent all rounder, good size. It's an App State, started hot, fell off, but he was he was a good part of the defense. So yeah, it's a very mixed bag of guys here. Like I say, we're talking like say guys that are like six two potential Mike linebacker and like I say we've got a six foot seven like I say potential hand in the dirt edge rusher or do you stand him up so a lot of these guys it'll be interesting to see if they swap positions or have to move around like I say like 
could Henry be a, a, a safety? Like I say, we saw a lot of that last year with Jojo Deman that moved to the senior ball. Uh, I'd say guys like that. So yeah, there's 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 a mixed bag here. It's it's kind of interesting because it's like a bag of licorice all sorts. Like they're all different body types and play very different things. The term linebacker, I think, doesn't really exist anymore. No. Oh, no, 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 no. It, it, it is very... Yeah, there's so much you can do with it. it. Yeah, It's a very fluid term at this point, isn't it? So, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of these guys do different, but 2012 is the only inside one out of all those there. Um, just thanks to everyone who's in the chat with us at the minute. I see Brent DeVitt's in there, Brian. Three Cushions in, Miss Harley Quinn's in there, Ken Stout is in there. Ken, if, if the noise is a little bit different, we've both got new mics here, so we will sort this problem out over time. We're just we're using new equipment, so we're, we're working the kinks out of the system, but hopefully it's all right there. Brent asks us about guys in the senior bowl who are fits for the MCDC locker room. I will come back to that. We'll do the guys, and then we'll answer the questions at the end. Um about personality so i've seen it brett and we will get back to it i just want to get through these guys first but yeah hopefully you're all doing well if you've got questions for the end of the show because we're going to chat college football after this just put them in there and let us know right i uh, a smile comes to my face with this next group here because there's so many guys who I, I kind of really like in here so we've got opens owen popo we talked a lot about last year because we thought he was declaring last year and he didn't cincinnati ivan pace jr Maybe one of my favourite players in this draft, all told. Florida's Ventrell Miller. And then we've got the HBCU stalwart. Florida A&M's Isaiah Land, who is looking to make waves. So, Owen Papo, Oban linebacker. He's a middle linebacker. 6'1", 225 pounds. First and foremost, he is one of the primary leaders on that Oban defence. He's been a two two-time captain the last two years, highly experienced, nearly over 2,200 snaps in college. Statistically, he's just had his best year, and most importantly, he has played a full season to quell fears about his durability. I think that's why he didn't declare last year, because he had quite a few injury issues, but he's had a full season, which is really good for him. Really good communicator on defense when it comes to recognizing countering offensive shifts. He is a prime candidate to green dot in the NFL in the future he's very similar to to o to o in that he plays better in space again he's not one of the biggest guys he struggles when you get the downhill runners coming behind a wall of big offensive linemen who are matching physically but he does have the arm length to develop counters at the next level and be more effective in that area of the game if you've got the length you can overcome it so at least he sort of has a fighting chance at the next level to be effective in that in that area of the game he's got all the athletic qualities you need to deploy him as a spy quarterback spy you're kind of looking at a weak side linebacker to start off with while you polish his game up but over time you may very well get a defensive leader who's going to be a versatile playmaker for you and he has pass coverage upside as well Ivan Pace Jr., we'll talk about him at length in a moment. Ryan loves him from his days at Miami, Ohio. He made the jump to Cincinnati in the American this year. He's six foot, 239 pounds. He is a heat-seeking missile whose target is the football. That is the line I have for him there. 13 sacks, 33 and a half tackles for loss and three forced fumbles in the last two years. He knows where the ball is every single play and he has this rare ability to seek it out and he is a blitzing nightmare for opposition he also appears to run play calling duties for the Cincy defense as well which will stand him in good stead it all comes down to his size and length 
History says that he might not be able to succeed in the NFL, just been six foot, and he was 239 pounds, but the smaller guys generally struggle a bit more, but he made the jump from the MAC to the American look easy. And while the American still isn't the pinnacle of college football, it's still a steep learning curve, and he took to it like a duck to water, so he's got a chip on his shoulder, he is going to attack the NFL hard. I think he's going to be too, too good an opportunity to pass up to put in a linebacker room. He's simply too good a blitzer. He's just so great. Uh, then you've got Ventrell Miller, the inside, right, Miller. yeah, the inside linebacker from Florida, six foot, two hundred and twenty-one pounds. He's the leader of the Gators' defense, flat out. Very high football IQ. He's risen through the ranks um, at Florida again, despite being undersized. Another six foot guy. He is the undisputed leader on that defense. So that shows you the sway he holds in the room. That despite being undersized, he's still risen to the top of the rankings there. Great at reading plays and setting himself up to succeed on the play. He gets his angles right against the run. If you can read plays, you make life so much easier for yourself. Embraces the physicality that comes with playing linebacker. Ryan will attest to this. He will go and hit an offensive lineman twice his size. He does not mind. He will match up against big tight ends. The instincts serve him well in the pass game when you know blocking said tight ends. He works well in coverage against shorter passes. He can read the play and jump the routes. He's got several interceptions through doing that over the time. His problem is going sideline to sideline, unlike all the other inside linebackers we've mentioned. He's limited athletically, so teams that run outside the tackles can be a problem. And the strength is an issue when it comes to block shedding against the run. But upside-wise, you've got a lot to work with there. He can work out what the plays are. He doesn't always need to compete to be in them. You know, he's a he's a really good defensive prospect. And then the last of this group, <laughs> Isaiah Land. He's a Florida A&M edge. He's 6'4", 215 pounds. Not many of you may have heard of him. He's from the HBCUs in the uh, MIAC and the SWAC. He has become a pass rushing specialist, been one of the most productive in the entire country over the last few years. He's long, he's lean, he's got excellent athletic ability, and he has a first step which is lightning quick and allows him to win reps very quickly against bigger and stronger opponents. And you pair that with a high-level motor, and you will find that you know a lot of his production, it comes late in plays as well as on plays. He will chase down quarterbacks, ball carriers out the pocket. There are loads of examples of him doing that. So he never gives up on a play. The pursuit speed serves him well in the run game. He can avoid pulling blockers and tackles and he can get to the running back in the backfield. Um, but then the issues, the level of competition that HBCUs it, it, the level of competition is not great unless you're playing against Jackson State. So he needs to show at the Senior Bowl that he can hang with better quality opposition. But this is why he's going. He will get the chance to do that. And if he carries on performing as he does against much better talent, people are going to be thinking about him really quickly. He's undersized for an NFL linebacker. He's only 215 pounds. So he's likely going to get moved from edge to linebacker because edge setting and the nitty-gritty work in the trenches is very difficult for him at that size. He's, he hangs his game on his elite traits, but then outside of that, there's a lot of work to be done. So he's very much going to be a project. He's got very little experience playing at linebacker. So even if you do move him, he's got to learn an entire new position. Pure development project, likely a day three pick, but the redeeming qualities are worth investing in in my opinion there. The, we've seen with James Houston, doesn't matter if you come from the HBCUs, if you've got it, you've got it. And I get the same sort of feeling about this guy. He has something that a team is going to love. So 
a really nice group of players to choose from there, right? You've got the development guys, and then you've got the guys who just look flat out damn good. Yeah, better. I'd say better group. You've got a few more inside linebackers. You've got some more outside that are dual, like you say, even Pace Jr. Like you say, designated pass rush, like you say, got arsenal weapons, can blitz, hit the holes. He can stun. He can, uh, once he's blocked, he'll do a spin move. He can get back to the other side. He finds holes in the offensive line. Like if he doesn't, if he gets met in the gap he's going through, he spins out or he'll move. He'll jump under, try again. Like I say, he'll keep going. He'll try to get through. Once he gets through, has got the speed to chase down a QB and will finish. Ventro Miller, I like him. He's more, he's 24, so he's one of the oldest guys probably at the senior bowl already. He would have declared last year, but lost 2021 to a torn bicep. So he has battled injury, had a foot this year, like I say. Be interesting to see how he measures up if he is the 261, 225 he's listed at. I've got a feeling he's probably not. It's a, he calls the players, he counts the numbers. Like I say, the coaches rely on him. He's the leader of the Gators. Like I say, he can be that future Mike linebacker. Like I say, just some attack. Like I say, he will hit the hole. He doesn't do all glamorous. If you ask him to cover the flat, he could do that well enough. You won't give him any deeper route. Like I say, anything towards like a first down marker, he might get a bit lost. Like I say, the arms out too long. But he does all the basics you want of an inside linebacker. Like I say, he's great, overcome injury. He's reliable. He will make a good rotational inside linebacker at the next level. He's already got experience. But yeah, let's say he's not got the flashy length or size, but he's a solid, rugged player. Papier, I'd say, good coverage skills. I'd say, I like Owen. I'd say, he's could have gone last year. I'd say, he's had to battle a few nagging injuries. I'd say, he's had good times at all of them. Got the good frame. I'd say, he's one of the more well-rounded guys of these that have got kind of that, that skill set. He can do a bit of everything. I think he's a good fit in Detroit. I think Papo and Miller are two Dan Campbell guys. I think they I think they do well in this locker room. Not heard much of any of them getting in trouble. And that's rare from Auburn and Florida guys who sometimes get a bad rap. These two have kept their, their noses pretty clean. And then Land, a bit of an enigma. Like it's a big frame, can rush the passer, has done it at a really high level at the HBCU scene can go inside can go outside I would think he like I say could pick up a tight end I think he could translate well into coverage dropping back like I say he's got a nice rangey set to him some big hands some good arms so there's a lot to work with like I say he's got the the biggest jump like I say ask the technical questions but and could be one of the biggest winners in the linebacking group yeah, I'd like to think with the success of Malcolm this year that guys like Pace and Miller will get more of a chance. You know, people will just not knock the size things. I think with both of them, size is not an issue with the pair of them. They both bring their own unique traits to the table, which will be good on an NFL team. Like I say, Pace just blitzes like a like a nightmare. I mean, I, I love watching him. I was very intrigued to see what he'd do at Cincy. He's like, he got like 20 and a half tackles for loss this year. It's crazy. The, the stat lines he's put up. So, yeah, there's some really intriguing guys to watch out for there. Pace, especially, and Miller. You may see Miller be a lion. I don't know, but we do need that leadership bit in there. Uh, Grand Isaac goes, are you covering the uh, defensive and outside linebacker and inside linebacker of all conferences or just one division? This is the senior bowl. 
the Senior Bowl's next week. The rosters are out, so we're just discussing the guys on the Senior Bowl so that when the Senior Bowl comes around, you know a little bit about all the players who are there. These ain't deep dives, because this would take about 10 hours if it did. They're just little go-overs of the players you'll see next week, just to give you a little indication of what they're like. Um, right, let us move that on. So the next group I've got, uh, Indiana's Cam Jones, Iowa State's Will McDonald the fourth. Jackson State's Aubrey Miller Jr. and Pittsburgh's own Savochi A. Dennis. Uh, Cam Jones, actually I need to do more work on this guy because it's very hard to find good write-ups on him. He's 6'3", 224 pounds. He's an inside linebacker at Indiana who seems to excel on passing downs. Um, but the run plays, he's really bad and really struggles with. But I need to do more on him, so I'll do more on that for another time. He's the only player on this one I've not done proper on, I promise. Um, Will McDonald, the fourth, next, Iowa State. He is 6'4", 245 pounds. Highly experienced, 50 games of college experience at Iowa State. Played all his career at edge. So again, assuming another move to outside linebacker here. Speed rusher, quick first step, very fluid hips and counter moves make him a tough guy to keep out for the tackles, especially ones who don't like speedsters. He is a bit one-dimensional in that he doesn't stretch tackles laterally, so that needs to improve. As a run defender, he's better setting the edge on the outside than going into the interior, so ideally you want to keep him as far out wide as possible with that. He struggles with double teams, so don't take him down inside where he's more likely to be exposed to those. Um, you're drafting him for the pass rush ability right now, and if you can get an average run defender out of him and maximize his pass rush ability, you have a good player on your hands. Aubrey Miller Jr., so the second from the HBCUs, he plays for Jackson State. He's 6'2", 225 pounds. He was a Missouri recruit who went to join the Dion Revolution. Uh, Deion Sanders credited him with being one of the main leaders on his defense. He's been an all-SWAC player, and he's been a SWAC defensive player of the year, so one of the best defenders in the division. The leadership and special teams ability are what stick out immediately about him. He could find his way onto a roster, probably through those two um, traits alone. He works well between the sidelines, as he is highly athletic. The tackling and the coverage skills are pretty good, but the issues are really big. His, his play diagnosis is really bad. It hinders his ability to make plays. And he struggles badly as a second level defender. He's often taken out of the play. Again, not the biggest guy in the book. Um, and for a linebacker, these are really big issues that you need to be able to do at the next level. So you're looking at a special teams guy to start. And with a big amount of development, you might be able to get a guy who can see the field in rotation. And then one of my favorite players in the draft Savacier Dennis, the Pittsburgh linebacker, he's 6'1", he's 230 pounds. His Pittsburgh defense has been really good this year, and he's one of the uh, he's one of the stars on this team. So his processing skills and his closing speed are elite. I reckon maybe the best of any linebacker in this draft. The way he can diagnose a play and make a play on it. It's rare to behold just how quick that you can be there. And he rarely misdiagnoses a play, so he's not taking himself out of it. He's just really clever. He can work out what's going on. He'll go make a play in the backfield or wherever is needed. The tackling is very good, so not only can he blow up the plays, but he can finish them as well. And his big thing, he just needs to add a bit more mass to help with block deconstruction when he's going through sort of the crowded interiors there. But... You know, if you have a team who likes to be aggressive with their linebackers, 
likes to blitz him a bit, likes to get on the edge with him, he will be highly appealing as a project to build up. Instantly start on special teams whilst you develop him for a full off roster spot. And I think he's maybe one of the best defenders to come out of Pittsburgh this year. So looking forward there. So again, just sort of back to these outside linebacker guys, potentially going to linebacker Ryan and Dennis. He, he could be really special if he's done right. Yeah, these are all slow starter projects. Like I say, a lot of them are going to have to make the name on kick coverage and punt coverage. Like I say, Will McDonald, he's got the size and the range, but yeah, he's never he's never done much in all phases of the game. To say he's played so much football and now he's never declared, or like I say, he's probably kept thinking, I'll return another year. He just doesn't have those elite traits. Like I say he's never been part of a stellar Iowa State defense. Like I say, even though he's been out there, he's been a mainstay. Looks good. Kind of like I say he's going to be a a third stringer. Like I say he's going to take a year or two to bed in, even if he makes a chance. And then yeah, so I say Dennis. Like I say great finisher, good hit in the hole, can disguise when he's going to go. Like I say he's a he's a blitzer, all round good weapon. Like I say, he's not got the size, he's never had the size, he's never been able to rely on it, but he's twitchy, he's got good speed, good closing speed, can go side to side, can hit the hole, so Pittsburgh have used him really well. A team needs to kind of like utilise to play to his strengths. Like I say, you can't just keep asking, like I say, don't force him into coverage or picking up guys like that. Like I say, he's going to have to work on those skills, but yeah, tackling machine, and use him as a designated pass rusher or put him in some sort of blitz schemes. Like I say, like I say someone like uh, the Lions like Aaron Glenn would probably use him a lot. Like he's used Alex Anzalone. Like I say, he can get there. He'll get sacks. He'll get up on the line, get his hands up as well. So Dennis has been very productive. And then uh, I don't know a lot about the kid from Jackson State, but to win all swack, like you say, is another guy that has got a lot of upside. Like I say, he's going to have to start his day working through punt kick coverage, maybe working some special packages. Like I said, like I said, first down, third down, that kind of thing. But there's a lot of potential there to work with. Like I say, a guy that's got a lot of talents, a lot of traits that you can work with. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to see how they use him, but I'm looking forward to seeing him. Um, yes, Grandiza, this is just defense and quickly special teams at the end, but on deep dive in those, we'll just let you know who they are. Uh, will you live stream the Senior Bowl? I've not considered that yet, but maybe it's something we can do. I don't know. We'll see when it is and whether I'm working or not. If I'm not working, I might do. Uh, cool Egg Kids in the building says, Yo, yo to you. Thank you for joining us. As always, right, we're nearly done with the linebackers. Um, so we've got five left, so we'll do a group of two and three. So the next two, we've got Byron Young from Tennessee and Demarvian Overshone from Texas. Probably one of the most mocked two guys on Lions mock drafts, so... Far. So in terms of Byron Young, it was right in front of me here. So Byron Young is probably the ultimate gamble out of all these guys. He has overcome a lot to make the draft. He was a JUCO tryout in 2019. Then he lost the whole COVID season in 2020 because JUCO didn't play. He was another one who put his practices online and hoped someone would pick him up. They went viral. He got an offer from most major SEC teams, including Georgia, but he decided to go to Tennessee, and it took him very little time to become a real impact player there. He made the jump from Juco to SEC look really easy. He's as tough as they come. He plays with burst and flexibility that make him really hard to block 
on the edge. He works very hard in the run game as well. Got good gap discipline, maintains his gaps well, doesn't give up anything to running backs really easy. With the elevated trajectory of how he's how he's been doing it's very late in his career it's very elevated he's still learning a lot when it comes to play recognition his play speed his movement skills there's a lot of waste of movement in there which he doesn't need and he needs to add further to his strength as well to become a top-notch run defender but these are issues born because he started really late not because he's not learned them now this is the problem for him He's going to be 25 by the time of his first NFL season, so you are gambling entirely that the jump he made from JUCO to SEC can be replicated from college to NFL football. I mean, if he was on a regular development timeline, he'd be nearly 30 by the time he's contributing to your team, and you ain't going to spend a draft pick on that. But so far, he has shown that he can adapt and learn at an accelerated pace, so that will appeal to a team who might want to gamble on him, but you've got to hope that his career arc is like, straight up because if it even flatlines a little bit he won't be at the level to help you in the nfl anytime soon so big gamble there but let's see if someone takes it but on the flip side a lot of teams will take a gamble on this guy probably all of them demarvian overshawn from texas he's 6'4 224 pounds originally recruited as a safety before making the move to linebacker so immediately he's got three level defense versatility. You can use him on all three levels. The size and the length show immediately. You know, six four, big guy, got good length to him. Once he knows where the ball is, he's off. You know, he tackles very forcefully. He's one of those who, if you're hit by him, you're going to know about it for a long time afterwards. But not in a way that is indisciplined and draws penalties. It's controlled violence, as they say. Uh, the speed allows him to come downhill and get to spots before offensive linemen, so he's good with downhill runners, even if the weight class is a bit different. He's that quick, he can exploit the gaps already. And he's already one of the better guys at linebacker against the pass. You know, he's, he's really good in pass coverage, which is really gonna translate into the NFL, which is what people are desperate for. There are issues. The tackling is a little inconsistent. The career missed tackle rate is 20%. Sorry, it's over. I think it's about 22 if I remember it rightly. It did come down to 14 this season, but it could still do with coming down a little further. It requires work. And the play diagnosis could be a little bit better if you're going to really invest on him as an inside linebacker and be a leader in there. But it's stuff that can be taught. So there's going to be a lot of interest in him there. So... I mean, right, you've got one who's pretty much ready to go and one who is a complete and utter gamble here. Um, but you, you have to be tempted by the way he plays and how quickly he adapted at Tennessee. See, I, I'd probably take Young over Overshawn. I'm so disappointed in DeMarvian. I've never seen the leadership skills. I've never seen him take that de Texas terrible defense. It's been awful for most of the time he's been there. Like you say, this guy should have really produced on the field. And it, the, the production has been limited in some years. Like I say, for what he offers, like I say, he's way too aggressive as well. You know, see, he misses a lot of tackles. He takes bad angles. He don't want to wrap up. I've seen him think he's a thumper. He doesn't have the weight to be a thumper. He's got incredibly long arms. He's got good hands. I don't know if you think about putting him back at safety. But, yeah, I've always been supremely underwhelmed. Like say, on the eye test plays well but when you break it down a lot of problems like you say I, you look for the frame the range like you say he's got that but 
I question a lot of the other stuff. I think he's going to be a... All right, if he doesn't perform well, he's going to be a big slider. Like say, he's got stuff to like. He could be a really good potential. But, yeah, I've just never seen the fascination with him. I know I took him in my mock, but that was all the way in the third round. And even I feel like that could be a reach. Like I say, I feel like if he doesn't really show up, he's going to skid. But yeah. yeah. Like say, him and Young, like, toss up a coin if, if they work out or not. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I like my linebackers to be very clever. I just, just, just out of the way I want them to be the play that I think they have to be. So that's why I like Dennis so much. He's just got, got it up there. Whereas I'm not sure with Overshawn if it is, despite having the measurables. So we'll see with it. And finishing off the linebackers, uh, we've got oh god, where on earth have I gone? Um, Troy's Colton Marshall, Tulane's Dorian Williams, and Washington State's Diane. Henley, who we were asked about some time ago, and I have got some more about him coming up in a future episode, but we'll go through these guys. So Carlton Marshall, he's from Troy, one of the best defences in the country all of last season. 5'9 and 215 pounds, and instantly people are going to go, oh no, too small. But wait, he is maybe the most experienced guy of all these. He's a sixth year senior, 3,398 snaps for Troy. Over 500 tackles and 250 run stops. Um, now, immediately the size stands out as a big red flag, but he's found a way to play inside linebacker and make a great college career out of it. And if you've seen with Malcolm Rodriguez this season, it doesn't matter about the size. It matters how they deal with it. This Troy defense has been elite all season. He's very high IQ, which is critical to his survival in the league. He's able to read plays very quickly, put himself in the best position to make himself succeed, to negate that lack of height. He's got sideline to sideline range. He can get himself out of traffic into the open field to go and make plays. And he will even go and take much bigger linemen head on in downfield plays. The one advantage of being smaller, you can get onto your opponent's pads easier. So if you've got that motion, you've got the strength to back it up, then you will be able to succeed. And he does. He's got the functional strength to get under alignment, push him off and win those battles. The motor is red hot and he's got big special teams experience. I think potentially it's not a lazy comp here, but he could be in the Malcolm Rodriguez mold this year. That People think he's too small, then they realise he'll give you special teams right away. He's gritty, he offers a big skill set for you. He's coming from one of the best defences in the nation. So I think he's got what it takes. You've got Dorian Williams from Tulane, he's 6'1", 220 pounds. He's their predominant Mike linebacker. At impact on defense and special teams, he's got the size and the frame required and the movement skills to be effective at the next level, but for a guy who's played Mike so much, his contact balance is poor, his ability to get through blocks is really poor, like deconstructing blocks is a big issue for him, and this is, this is what you need as a Mike linebacker, so I'm not really sold on this guy at this point, so gonna go past that. And then you've got Diane Henley, or Dan, Dan Henley. Washington, Washington State, 6'2", 232 pounds, started the college career as a wide receiver at Nevada. He had several seasons at wide receiver before moving to defense, and then he transferred to Washington State. He had one full season at both Nevada and Washington State as a linebacker. Now, obviously, been a receiver for so many years, the ball skills 
are really good. He makes some cracking interceptions because of the anticipation he has as a receiver and the hand skill he has with it. He's also got potential on special teams. He was a punt returner back in his day as a receiver. He can still do that. He can still transfer those qualities over. And the thing that people like about him, and I don't know why, but you know, with these, he's such a tweener. It's very hard to know where he's going to play at the next level. And I'd be interested to know where you put him right. But he struggles as a stack defender right in the middle. Because again, not the tallest, not the strongest in the world. But he is explosive and aggressive as a pass rusher. And you put him one-on-one with a lineman, most of the time he'll beat him. Because he's got elite twitch. It just opens up the gaps, he exploits it, he's in there. And he gets and he gets to go. He's raw at the position. So it is pure speculation as to how he's going to develop and how you can use him. There's still a lot of room for potential growth. If you want him at inside linebacker right away, you'll probably have to put him in sub-packages and then work him up at outside linebacker in a 3-4 system. Then just sort of build him up as you go along. But with Henley, I think it's, it's what you can potentially do with him. That is exciting, isn't it? Like I say, he's he's kind of a tweener at the minute. He kind of can sort of do a lot of little bits with him and potentially make a great player out of him. Yeah, I remember. I think I drafted him in our half-season mock. Oh, it was the one before that, I remember, because I know he had one year where he had, I think, four or five interceptions because, like I say, he's a ball hawk that understands coverage, plays zone really well. He's a, Yeah, he's, he's an interesting guy, like you say, because do you move him to safety? Is he kind of like a Buddha Baker where he can come up and blitz but can get interceptions? Like you say, he's that betweener. I I, won't, I would not put him in a, a run-heavy scheme. Like I said, I don't want him stacking the box. Like I, said, I don't really want him making tackles. Like I said, I want him in coverage. Like I said, putting him in the best hands. He, can under, he understands uh, crossing routes. He can drop out. He can cut off routes. He understands not to give too much cu- uh, cushions. He can come back when guys uh, turn and look for their QB. Like I say, he can crash down. He can tackle in the open field. Like I say, not great in the box. Like I say, we'll get lost in traffic. We'll not share blocks. Like I say, then if you want to show coverage dropping and then get into blitz, he will get through the hole. He will be alignment. A running back might try to pick up the late blitz can miss he will put a move on him he'll break a guy's ankles he will get that coverage sack so there's a lot you can do with Henley like I said he's not the biggest not the strongest but got good hips he turns well moves side to side and ultimately if you throw a ball in his way tips he's got the finishing skill he can pick it off he can make game changing players like I said he is a pick six waiting to happen I feel like a lot of teams will respect that so we're going to see a lot of senior balls. They asked him to play positions like George Odeman. Like I say, it was a linebacker safety. They will do the same thing with Henley. They might let him return kicks as well. So you're going to see him doing a lot more than other people playing multiple positions and hopefully succeeding. And yeah, he could make a really good day two weapon. I think someone's going to fall in love with what he can do. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree. And this linebacker group, I'm, I, th- I think out of all the position groups at the Senior Bowl, they're the one I'm most excited to see the most. There's so many guys I like in there. So, yeah, there's an interesting group, and I think there's several that the Lions might want to target. So we'll see. So thanks to linebackers, and we're going to finish off with the DBs. 
I'm aware not to go too long with these because we've been going a while. Uh, so we're starting off defensive backs. We've got Alabama's Jordan Battle and DeMarco Hellams. And then Boise State's J.L. Skinner. So, I mean, Jordan Battle, we've heard a lot about Jordan. He was another one we thought would declare last year. He did not. He is Alabama's safety. So he has played 50 games for the Crimson Tide. Over 3,000 snaps. He is incredibly versatile. He's got 814 snaps in the box, 1,500 at free safety, and 703 in the slot. Has just about everything you want as a guy. He's high IQ. The ability to play multiple positions to a high level shows that. He's got the size, the length, the physicality, the tackle ability, the play diagnosis. They're all strengths of his. Where the issue is, and why I struggle to get on board sometimes with him, is the man-to-man -man coverage. It needs work. He has a tendency to lose leverage against receivers and give up big specific receptions as well. That Alabama secondary has been a little leaky this year. He was 17 of 22 on targets this year. So, you know, they targeted him a lot and he didn't break up much in that regards. Lots of high-level traits and he will probably be a starting strong safety next season. But something just doesn't sit right with me with him. I'm not 100% sold on him, but... I, I, I probably me just been really wrong. Um, as for Demarco Helms, he's the other safety at Alabama. He's six one, two hundred and eight pounds. He's their strong safety, although he also plays other roles. He plays best as a strong safety, sort of five ten yards off the line of scrimmage. He's very physical. He's got very good tackling technique. That's where he can use those traits to best effect. In pass coverage, he likes to play in the middle of the field so he can watch plays develop and act accordingly. He doesn't like playing with his back to the ball um, and he's another big problems in man coverage at depth that game against Tennessee the one kind of reference where they got burnt he gave up five receptions for 130 yards and two touchdowns obviously that Tennessee offense brutal this year and exposed the Bama secondary but the versatility of him and his play on the first two levels will likely see him down and nail he will nail down a starting safety spot somewhere pretty early in his career and the deep field issues they'll just work on they'll probably keep him out of those sort of situations to start with so two potential starters there from Alabama and then the draft love I think he, he, he's, he's the safety for me this year JL Skinner Boise State 6'4 218 pounds built like a fridge moves like he's skating on ice at the same speed as well um, he bases his game on Cam Chancellor and he plays like Cam Chancellor you can tell this is the sort of safety he is again another who I'm not having deep safety on the field but I'm going to bring him up against the run game and have him murder a running back because of how hard he hits them I'm going to do more tape work on Skinner going forward so I'll keep it light about him but three very intriguing prospects to start off the DB group right all safeties as well Al's very safe yeah very experienced good decent 6-1 size like you said <clears throat> I see people mocking him to Lions because if we, if the Lions did draft him I feel like he'd move him to nickel I feel like he's he. I feel like a lot of teams that draft him will move him away from safety and put him as a, a rover or a bandit or whatever they like to call it if they play 4-5 DBs guy in the slot can be trusted like I say he can be burned He's not got great recovery speeds, like you say. If guys get behind him or he lets them catch the ball and he's trying to chase them down and make the tackle, he's not always going to win. Like you say, he does give up receptions. He tries. Sometimes I feel like he feels he's better than he is. I think he thinks he can give huge cushions and recover, 
like another DB, like you say, that, that a lot of people talk about. Like you say, he, he's got a very high opinion of his skills and also he's played in such a good group for so many years. Like, I want to see him out of his comfort zone. How does he do on his own? Is he a system safety? Can he only play with five and four stars? Can he play on his own? Can he play in two safeties, three safety? Could he play three safety on his own, one high? I don't. I wouldn't want to put him there. Like I say, I don't. He's never had to really, because he's been moved around like a chess piece. So, battle needs to prove that he can come out of his comfort zone. Uh, I don't know too much about his teammate, but Skinner, like I say, he's another one that's going to be asked to play uh, hybrid backer safety. Like I say, hits like a truck. Not got the hands really, but he's never really had to. Like I say, if he had to pick off a ball, he could. But like I say he, he relies on his ability to knock the ball out, to stop guys dead in their tracks, to mask them. Like I say, to tackle. Like I say, he's 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 incredibly well built for a defensive back. So I expect the coaches to straight away go to him and say, like, we're going to try a few different things with you. I feel like yeah, he he could be really productive at next level, especially on special teams. On a coverage, so he's the kind of guy that's going to get to a punt or a kick returner first. So he offers a hell of a lot of stuff next level. Like I said, he could he could be a strong round two pick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think that's where he's going to go. And he, yeah, he's one of the ones I'm watching closest. JL Skinner, he is he is the safety you want if you want one who's effective against the run game. So we'll see what happens with him. Right, we'll move it on. We've got three more safeties now. California's Daniel Scott. Florida State's Jamie Robinson and Georgia's Christopher Smith. So Daniel Scott, 6'2", 215 pounds. He's a starting free safety with punt return experience for those who are enthusiastic about special teams. Um, Man coverage ability against tight ends is really good, even against slot receivers. So the versatility there will possibly be key for him. You know, the upside as a man coverage defender is what he's going to hang his hat on because, quite frankly, the rest of the game is really bad he's going to be 25 by the time of his first nfl season which caps his ceiling his tackling for a free safety is rancid 36 missed tackles in the last two seasons mix that with a lack of physicality means the run game work is really bad you're likely looking at the special team's future here whether someone sees they can work something out with him or not but not very impressive at this moment um jamie robinson the Florida State, <laughs> you speak to Ash, he'll tell you all about him. 5'11", 199 pounds. Potentially one of the most versatile DBs at the Senior Bowl. Um, he plays at free and strong safety, nickelback, linebacker. Prefers doing his work up near the line of scrimmage. It's where a lot of his productivity comes from. He can take advantage of his traits. He's very, like I said, very physical, very handsy. Likes to get up, get in the action. So that's where you take advantage of him. He likes playing robber in the center of the field as well but not on assignments against man he prefers to to kind of do his own thing he's very good at reading a quarterback and gets plenty of interceptions because of it um like a few of them before the questions come in man coverage there's a big lack of ball productivity he doesn't really ball hook that much so team's probably gonna look to bring him up in the box maybe a move to linebacker you don't know maybe in the nickel i'm not sure but i don't think you use him as a deep free safety at the next level and then you've got Christopher Smith the Georgia safety 5'11 190 pounds one of the players I enjoy watching the most out of all these guys we've been talking about Georgia ask a lot of their safeties 
So he's kind of a Swiss Army knife as well, but he's going to be... He's projected as a high-caliber sort of safety nickel hybrid at the next level. The leadership is huge for him. So he, he leaders used quite often as a term, but he is a leader on the team. So he's a great communicator. You will see him help people get aligned on plays before every play. The in-play IQ is even better. He knows exactly what he needs to do, where he needs to be. He's a multiple-time team captain. He has great ball hawking ability. There are some great examples on tape against some very good teams, noticeably Clemson and LSU, where he intercepts routes because he knows where the ball's going before it's out of the QB's hand. Um, and he gets big plays, big turnovers and pass breakups because of it. Um, he used to be a corner, so that kind of, he's taken the skills outside with him and translated it into safety. So you can understand the coverage techniques, how to stop receivers getting leverage on him, all the stuff that corners do, he can do as a safety. He just has issues with consistency with his tackling. And they say the frame's an issue, but I don't really think it is for him. He's He's been in an elite defense for years. The secondary doesn't get as much praise as it should do because of that D-line, but I mean, I don't know about you, Rai, but I, I really, really like watching him play, and I think he could definitely be a difference maker at the next level. Oh, yeah, he's he's definitely impressed me. Like you say, when uh, Tyke Smith, the five-star West Virginia transfer, came in, I thought that's bad news for Christopher Smith, but between injury and inconsistent play, Christopher's really taken that role as their key man on the back end. So, George, he's, like say, he's been like Swiss arm knife. He's, he's just someone you trust. Like I say, the frame, the size is okay, but he's more intelligent. Like I say, he won't put himself in bad positions. He rarely misses tackles. He can pull off the interception. He can track guys across the field. He reads the deep ball well as well. If you're going to be a free safety or a deep safety, you've got to be able to track the flight of a ball well, and he does that. Jammy, like I say, Jammy's going to have to prove that he can play bigger than he is. Like I say, I like everything about his game. I just feel like don't put him in certain positions the next level and hang him out to try. Like I say, because he's not the biggest 5'11", like I say, but he does offer versatility and he's proved that he can generate turnovers as well. Pretty key guy on the back end for that Florida State defense. So I feel like he could be someone that could make up ground on that position. And uh, and in the Cal safety, nah, I, I ain't buying it. Like you say, if you can't be trusted to wrap up and just want to lay wood as a free safety in your last line of defense, he gives up scores. Like you say, big plays where he takes bad angles. Like if a running back breaks through the linebackers and he's got to track them across the field and save a touchdown, I don't trust him. He takes a bad angle or he swaps an arm or they get by him. He is a liability assignment. Yeah, probably just a special teamer. Ashton Davis kind of was like him but did all right in the draft, went to the Jets, the former Cal safety, but I've seen him struggle at times. So he's going to have a long way to go. Like you say, he needs to work on a lot of stuff at the senior bowl. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, a very long way to go, probably longer than anyone else. Right, just a few groups left and then we are done through all these. So next we've got the Illinois trio, although I don't know if one of them's going. So we've got Devon Witherspoon, Sidney Brown, and Jatavius Martin. I'm not sure whether Witherspoon's there or not, but 
low down on them all with a spoon's the best man coverage corner in the draft and I will die on that hill and the Lions should 100% draft him whether it be 6 or 18. Sidney Brown is the safety. He is brother of Illinois running back Chase Brown who so many Detroit Lions fans including our own Ash love a lot but he is a ball hawking safety kind of in the Kirby mould as well and then you've got Jatavius Martin he's the hybrid of the three he plays safety and corner and probably the best of all three when it comes to affecting the run game he's got the right build there he is I can't remember I think he's about 6'4 but he's got good build for a hybrid so Illinois are sending a lot of good defensive talent to the draft this year they're one of the best scoring defenses in the entire nation last year and it's it's showing but secondary these three if Witherspoon does go there is such an intriguing blend. You've got outside lockdown corner, you've got inside safety, you've got hybrid. Three really talented guys coming out of Illinois for the senior bowl. Yeah, it shows as well because their defensive coordinator got a big promotion, didn't it? Yeah. Like I say, yeah, I think he got a head coach up. So I think it says a lot that these three guys, like, it'd be interesting to see how they do when you separate them. Like I say, as a unit, they're incredibly good. Because they're on the same wavelength, they trust each other, they understand each other's games. Now I want to take them apart, like I say, put them on different teams, see how they operate on their own, how they communicate with other guys. I agree, like I say, I've seen Witherspoon, Joey Potter Jr. mock to Lions a lot, because it's a true man corners. They're probably the two best that you're probably going to get at jamming in the line of scrimmage, using their size, their length, out physical guys. Like I say, so they're really good. There's potential if these three impress of two of them getting drafted by the same team, just keeping them together. If they can prove they work together well, when also on a different team. So yeah, like these three guys could do really well uh, here. Like I said, I'd like to think big size as well could get combine invites. So yeah, Illinois is going to do well in this draft. Oh yeah, I, I think it's more. I think it's more likely than not that you see another, another Illinois player in Motown by the end of this draft. I've just got a sneaking suspicion. They like good systems. They seem to go back to them, so it'll be intriguing. But yeah, you've got to watch out for the three Illinois guys. Then we've got the ball hawk pairing from Iowa. Now, one guy who we were really surprised did not declare last year has this year. It's Riley Moss time going forward. He is six one hundred ninety four pounds. First of all, cornerbacks. 54 games played for Iowa, 38 of them starts, so again, just really experienced. He's as instinctive a man coverage corner as you will find in the draft. He's got the best in well, one of one of the best set of instincts as a man coverage corner. He doesn't have some of the elite qualities to go with it to capitalize fully at the next level, but you got the instincts, you're already halfway there. A nose for the ball, an ability to find his way into throwing lanes again to make plays on the ball. Very physical with receivers. You know, the, his frame may not show it, but he is very aggressive when it comes to uh, to matching up. Makes life very difficult for them to catch the ball. He plays hard against the run, does everything he needs to to an adequate level. There's a missed tackle issue and maybe lacks the length to play as a zone corner at the next level. So maybe a move to safety potentially because the ball interception skills are there and the IQ is there. And I think he's getting highly underrated in this draft. People like drafting him round five or six, and I think that's really disrespectful to him. And then his playmate from Iowa, Kayvon Merriweather. He's a safety, six foot two eleven, another ball hawker. Iowa loves sending talent to the draft from its defense, and they love sending ball hawking 
caught you know DBs to the draft as well. He had three picks and four broken up passes this season. Only gave up 11 receptions on 26 targets. Didn't give up a single touchdown. He's another one of these hybrid types. He's played pretty evenly between the box, the slot, and free safety. Very efficient as a run defender as well. There's been a lack of production over the career, but it's sort of started going up at the right time. A um, little bit of work to do on his angles when he's tackling, but again, nothing serious that you can't do. I mean, Iowa's another defense you have to respect when it sends people to the draft, isn't it, Ryan? They just have a system that produces talent. And Riley Moss, I don't think he's a fifth-round talent. I think he's better than that, and I think he'll show it at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I in our last season I took Riley Moss in a mock draft. Let's say because last year, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, last year before a season-ending injury, he had four picks and two pick sixes. That was through half a year, and then his season ended. He had a slow year this year because he was coming back off a bad injury. Let's say, and but if anyone wants to go back and watch their bowl game from this year, Merriweather, Castro, and uh, Moss were absolute havoc in the secondary. Like I said, they play heavy man schemes. Like I said. Only knock on Moss is like I say he's had nicks, he does pick up injuries, and his size. Like I say, yeah, he is not the biggest guy. Like I say, but he's aggressive, he plays bigger, yeah. He's got a lot of interceptions. He only had one or two this year, like I say the down year, but he's got a proper nose for the ball. And I think he's the kind of guy that a coach would love. A lot to teach him. And yeah, Merriweather, like I say, hits hard, gets passes defended, lodges the ball, can take the ball away too. Like the whole back end of Iowa again this year offensively a mess but their secondary again is proving that it's still as strong as ever like I said they produce good schemes and Kirk Ferentz gets the best out of defensive backs and they do pretty well at the next level too like I, said, I feel like Riley Moss will be a sneaky player this year I think they'll all get drafted most of their defensive backs like I said, and if, you're, if you're talking a late round flyer I'd throw one at Riley Moss like you say because we need more white cornerback representation since Troy Apke you just don't get good, talented, white defensive backs. They do struggle because they play bigger than his size. Yeah, and Riley's a really good kid. Like say, I say, I really like him. Yeah, no, I, I do as well. I think if he's hanging around there when you start getting into comp pick territory, then I'm, I'm really, really interested. So, you know, I, I would hope maybe he gets there, but he should, he should be picked before that. Um, so that's the Iowa and the Illinois guys done, uh, down to the last two groups now. So we've got Julius Brents from Kansas State, Jay Ward from LSU, and Corian Bennett from Maryland, and Tyreek Stevenson from Miami. Julius Brents, he is cornerback at Kansas State, 6'4", 204 pounds, high-level run defender due to the size and the length can shed receivers to get shot at the ball carrier on the line of scrimmage and he's got surprisingly quick closing speed for a guy who's 6'4 and as big as he is so attacking downhill he is really good at it, it may kind of make for a good safety hybrid in running situations if you bring him inside use him as a safety he's physical and disruptive in press coverage um, in the past game makes it hard for receivers to get off and be on time for the play so the disruption has a big effect there height gives him advantage in contested catch situations and it's something you can see used to his advantage um he struggles off coverage the hips are a little stiff he doesn't have top end speed to stay with guys on deep vertical routes who are elite speedsters so he's a little grabby as a result that's going to draw dpi in the nfl i mean non-dpi draws dpi goals in the nfl now so you're screwed if you grab too much 
very scheme dependent but in the right system he will be a good piece of the puzzle for somebody if they like juice on the line of scrimmage uh, Jay Ward you've got the safety from LSU 6'1 180 pounds started life as a corner but transitioned to safety not been easy been an LSU defender the last three years they've had three different defensive coordinators in the last three seasons uh, but as for him high motor maximum effort guy is a leader in the secondaries transition those cornerback qualities with him to safety so again you've sort of got the hard hitting downhill style you would use as a corner good at blowing up screens if you want to bring him up in the passing game very instinctive in zone play when it comes to coverage and his interceptions come from reading the quarterback so sort of sitting him a bit further down the field allows him more time to read the QB and make plays there and he's got the range you want for him to play free safety so the frame again is an issue, 180 pounds, not the heaviest guy in the world. His tackling is very aggressive and he has injured himself multiple times because of the way he tackles and the frame of which he is. So he's going to need to adjust that at the next level to keep himself durable. But he can play the position. He'll play in cover two, cover four. You know, he'll definitely stay at safety. He just needs to alter the tackling to better suit his his, his frame. Um, then you've got Jacorian Bennett, the cornerback from Maryland 5'11 200 pounds another much utilized DB he's played at cornerback safety and nickel but he does his best work as an outside corner which is probably where he ends up at the next level prefers playing off coverage so he can keep the quarterback and the receiver in his view doesn't like playing with his back to the ball playing off gives himself a chance to make the play on the football his productivity reflects that he's got five interceptions and 22 passes defended in the last two years. So playing off allows him to make a lot of plays for Maryland. Uh, sufficient in the run game, very willing tackler on the perimeter if he needs to be. Um, but in coverage is where his strength is and you would uh, hope that translates to the next level there. I think you'll get a good solid corner out of him eventually. And then you've got Tyreek Stevenson, the Miami cornerback, six foot, 214 pounds. Used to play at Georgia, transferred after two years, having just started four games as getting into that Georgia defense is incredibly difficult. Stands out because of his build and frame. I know he's only six foot, but he's very stout, very squatty, built like a brick um, brick house, as they say. If you want a press man corner in this draft, outside of the obvious candidates in the first and second round, this is the guy you really want to look at. It's all over the tape physically disruptive play stopping receivers in the tracks you know often pancaking them on the line of scrimmage and it parlays that strength into a willing run blocker as well so he will come downhill he can lay big hits on ball carriers good enough at shedding the blocks what he needs to but this is a guy who you bring in as a physical press man coverage guy and i assume that's where they'll use him at because other aspects of his game because of his size are not as good but Another intriguing group there, sort of all over the bound. I mean, Jay Ward, he, he will be good if he tackles properly, but you just feel like he's going to injure himself badly one day because of the way he's so reckless with it. Yeah, it's hard for guys like him to change what's in their DNA or their nature. Not getting their head out of the way or just not getting their head up. You feel like he's he's in neck injury away from retirement. Like said, he dropped back to safety because he needed to be able to see more of the field. I don't think he trusted his instincts at corner. Like I say, and then Bennett is a guy that's interesting. Like I say, because he has all the skill. Like he can tackle and get interceptions. I just feel like he's someone that's too comfortable giving a cushion. And like I say, 
because he say he drops back like you say he wants to he wants to play in zone or but like you say but against the elite speed at the next level I like say if he gives a cushion they will burn him I like say if he gets lets someone like get a good head start running up to him and then hits him with a move gonna struggle like you say he doesn't like playing his back to the ball so he gives healthy cushions but now he's gonna have to learn to go back the other way he's gonna have to learn to interrupt roots you have to get a bit more physical jam roots a bit more get a bit closer to the line like i say you can play with healthy cushions in college and you can undercut roots get picks the next level that that won't work so he needs to go back to his roots a little bit more like i say he can't be giving seven yards like i say we saw uh, with the lions like i say sometimes they give six seven yards of coverage or like I say a blanket before the snap and then some of them get burnt so i want to see bennett probably a bit more physical bit more jamming at line of scrimmage but i feel like he's probably got the most to work with good production yeah. can can play the ball and doesn't get penalized even when he's trying to play both yeah everyone just sort of is, is appealing in their own special little way they all do something really good and there's no one i feel real like discounting at this point because you know of what you could potentially do with them so going to be interesting and finishing it off we've got a run on corners now so i'm just going to list them off and talk about the ones we like if we do so you've got oregon state's rajon wright penn oh, state's <laughs> i thought i thought so in fact you want to talk about rajon right now he's first in the line go on oh i love him that kid supreme length like you say he is he's gangly like he's got really long arms he's got a good six free frame but his ball skills as well Multiple interceptions last year. I think this year, a leader. He's also had that interesting route because he came, I believe, from Last Chance U. He's come through the Juco scene. Like I say, he managed to find his way here. Like I say, the Beavers last year and this year are really good. And he's someone I trust on the outside as well. Uses the size, the strength. He's not going to be easily out-muscled. I feel like plays with a chip on his shoulder as well. Like I say, got a bit of a swagger about him. A little bit of an arrogance. I think people like that though. He believes in himself, trusts his instincts. He's going to get burned. He's going to give up some big players, I reckon, next level. But I reckon he'll make some too. If you can, like I say, if you, if you manage him, like I say, with the personality, I don't know what the personality is like, so I want to see the interviews, how he talks, like I say, how like that is. But he's got all the skill and the talent. Like he can tackle too, he can wrap up. Big six foot free frame. Like I say, he's probably got some of the most tools to work with. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't really add more to that. I, I agree. I'm, I'm very high on him. And Oregon State have been a really good team this year, considering how hard Pac-12's been. They've they've sneakily gone under the radar, and it's because of guys like him that they've performed at such a high level. So, yeah, he is one I'm looking forward to seeing there. Um, the rest of the corners we've got here. You've got Penn State's Jair Brown, South Alabama's Daryl Luter Jr., South Carolina's Darius Rush. Stanford's Koo Blue Kelly, Virginia's Anthony Johnson, and Virginia Tech's Chamari Connor, who I believe is actually a safety. I should have included him with the safety. But out of those, I mean, Koo Blue is one who's sort of always been on that periphery, like the second group of corners. He was last year. He went back. He sort of, I don't know if he slipped a little bit this year, but he's the man coverage specialist. Like, if, if you don't want Devon with a spoon at six and you'd rather go later and you want a man coverage corner, he's the guy you can probably go and get on day two or maybe even day three because he's that damn good at it. But when it comes to working in zone and off coverage, he's absolutely atrocious, which so you're kind of very scheme specific with him. But what he does well, the man coverage stuff, 
you know, he would be a first-round pick if he could just do sort of the off-coverage with it, wouldn't he? But it, it's just a shame for him, and he's been on a rubbish team as well. But he's very intriguing. If he can make, him, if he can improve in his off-coverage, he would shoot up boards. Yeah, he, d- he definitely didn't improve his stock by returning no. to Stanford. But Stanford were horrible, like you say, and teams were still... He's not a guy that people are scared to throw at because the Stanford team were that bad. Teams will still throw the ball at him, which was sometimes a mistake, like you say, because I think he... I agree, like I say, do you trust him to pass a guy off, let him go through zones, like I say? Probably not. I'd rather he just sticks with him. And then if he gives a, up a player, so be it. If he doesn't, like I say, makes a player, I trust him, like I say. He is he's physical, a bit handsy, like I say, he, he can probably be a bit grabby too. He's got average size and length, but he makes up for that being a competitor, a bit like a pit bull. I, say, I feel like yeah, he's in that second group of corners. I've seen him quite a few mocks to the Lions. Like I said, I've seen him going in like rounds two, three, four to Detroit. He's that kind of guy that he'll like. So I feel like he could have a good senior ball. Like I say, he's someone that we, Sean Dean Hamilton, I'd like him to take a look at. I feel like he's got name recognition as well. It's it, you know three barrel name. I, I feel like there's name recognition from last year as well that's involved in it. But yeah, if you're a man coverage guy, he's the guy you go for, and we play a lot of man, so potentially there's a future for him there. I mean, anyone else out of those others? I mean, the other other one I would put note to, and I have no idea what to think, is Jair Brown. You know, the Penn State safety. He's had like two ridiculously impressive seasons with them. I think it's like. 10 interceptions, I think he's got more defender passes, he had a load of forced fumbles this year it felt like but instinctively he's not that good but he just seems to be in the right place at the right time and at a Penn State defender I'm usually a sucker for but I don't know what to think about him but I will watch him very closely I could, do, you, do you feel like there's something there with him? Potentially yeah I think his run defence got better this year like I say mm. he played better in the box like I say with forcing fumbles and guys like that I feel like it was uh, definitely a productive two years for him and yeah the Penn State defence been pretty formidable throughout his time there it's always kind of like never got its love so I feel like he's someone that we don't the Lions don't necessarily need a safety but we also can't turn our nose up at them because we play a lot of heavy man safety schemes multiple safety so I definitely want to take a look at him he is a physical prospect, like I said, that's also able to take the ball away, does yeah. a little bit of everything. So I feel like him and Paul Jr., I feel like they're good draftable assets. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm torn, but I would be on the side probably of doing it. I'm going to watch him very closely. Um, any of the others, Luther Jr., Rush, Johnson, Chamari, anyone else you want to mention? Or what about there? I'm not, I'm not too fussed on the rest of them, so... No, I I haven't seen enough of them much of them seasons to be honest. No, so that is actually that is the senior bowl defensive roster. Hopefully, you know a little bit more about the guys than you did. Probably it was not meant to be a deep dive. There's just that many players. Hopefully, you know a little bit about them now. You uh, want to know some of the players you want to go after. Got to mention special teams very quickly. So the long snappers, uh, UCS Alex Ward and the Virginia Military Institute's Robert Soderholm the third. I know Matt would love for me to go on about long snappers, but I ain't going to do him the justice of it. Scott Daly is our guy. Kickers, three of them. Chad Ryland from Maryland. He's 100 of 185 on extra points. 75 of 97 on field goals. He's 27 of 37 beyond 40. 
Alabama's Will Reichard, Reichard uh, 240 of 242 on extra points, 62 of 75 on field goals, 23 of 33 beyond 40. And then Georgia's Jack Podlesny, 182 of 184 on extra points, 61 of 75 on field goals, 13 of 24 beyond 40. So all of them a bit sketchy once you go beyond 40. Although Ryland's good from 30 onwards, Reichard and Podlesny. They're Ricky from 30 to 40 as well. And then your punters, some of you might know him. Bryce Barringer, Michigan State's the spectacled spectacle. He is a great punter, probably one of the best in college football. And then you've got Adam Corsack from Rutgers. Obviously, Rutgers need a good punter because they punt so much. So that is your special teams there. So, yeah, break down there. Oh, Matt's in the chat. No long snapper chat. Unreal. Cancel the show. I didn't think you'd be listening. I don't trust any kickers. I don't pay any attention to special teams. I don't think there's a... It's pointless. I don't think there's a single kicker in the draft this year I'd take for the Lions. I I was there on Moody, but he's missed too many kicks this year. I know he made the 60-yard one, which everyone raves about, but he's missed like six or seven I wish people would stop mocking him. I I am not drafting a kicker. All of these guys, when they all go undrafted... I'd rather just bring 10 of them in and put them on the practice squad than spend capital on a kicker. I yeah. really don't... You look like guys like K-Mays, Daniel Carlson. When, how often do you draft a kicker and it actually works out? Like, come on, guys, you can't really tell me that spending after a fifth round on a kicker is valuable to a defence that's like Swiss cheese. No. I can't draft a kicker. No. I know. And it's biased. You all want Jake Moody because you're like Michigan. There's that's why that yeah. we have to admit it, don't they? That's why I fight against the Michigan buy. I I try and be respectful. You know, you've got to you've got to be a bit more. You know, you've got to be you a bit more. You need to make sixty yard kicks in no. the NFL. You need to be able to make forty five yarders consistently. Yeah, you've got to be more thorough. And he's playing in conditions which he'll play in not in Detroit because it's domed, but a lot of the places around here outdoor. He's playing in them conditions, so. I feel I have to be harsher on Michigan candidates just to make sure that they sort of we trade pass the bias test. Six or seven. Do you know what? Then draft him. But I am not using one of our current picks on him. No. Brent goes, Quinn, Trisha wants a long snapper in the first round. Ha ha. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bruce Betterly goes, 1992, Jason Hansen to Detroit. There are no Jason Hansons in the draft this year. I'm just making that quite clear. I, I don't think there's like... I've been a Hansen for 10 years. There isn't... There isn't there isn't a Jason Hansen's left, like a left pinky finger in there. Not not anyone with that demority of skill. So no. That's before I was born. Yeah. <laughs> Special teams getting no love today. So not not in terms of the senior bowl. Right. So I'd say that is everything to do with the senior bowl. I know this has gone on quite a while, but there are a lot of players. So hopefully you know a little bit more about some of them, and you know you want to check some of them out next week. Um, we got asked by, I think it was Brent earlier, I apologise who's not, but he asked about the culture fit in the locker room. Who who stands out as a culture fit for you out of these guys? Who would be the guy that MCDC will be watching this senior ball for just because he's the type of guy that he wants in his locker room? I feel like Ventrell Miller, definitely. I feel like yeah. he'd like a leading linebacker that's physical and can keep himself out of trouble. See, for me, I'd say Christopher Smith. I think he is exactly what Dan Campbell would like on this team, just in case of the way he carries himself, the way he leads on the field and off it. I don't know, I've listened to him speak a lot because I've become very enamoured with him very quickly. And he just I think sounds you like and Battle as well. Like, Battle's yeah. never, you ne- I've never heard a bad word about Battle. And uh, 
he plays multiple positions. Like I say, he'd play special teams if you asked him. And he's been a... I don't know if he... He's, he might have been a captain about checking. I'm not sure. But he's he's very well respected. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's where you'll find... I think you'll find them in the secondary guys in yeah. there. I'm not sure. TOTO as well, like you say. Like he, he, he's been a captain at Bam. I, I know that for sure. Yeah. And maybe Popo. I, I don't know whether he feels like he might see a bit of Ancelone and Popo in terms of their... You know how they carry themselves, and that I I, I feel like Papo might be a, a choice for that as well. But yeah, Christopher Smith for me is, and Ventrell Miller, they'd be the guys who'd fit in his 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 room, as it were. Um, right, <laughs> that's all we had for the show today. It's been long enough, but um, if you've got any questions you want to ask us before we get out of here, please do. I'll go through the housekeeping, and then we can finish on that. Um, where was I? So in terms of our next shows on the podcast, we will be back tomorrow, which is the 26th on our main podcast. We will be interviewing Detroit Lions insider Maddie Miller. We are really looking forward to having her on the show. Like I said, if you've got any questions, um, just put them in the chat, put them in the comments, give them us on Twitter. We'll put them in the show for you and we will ask her. But we'll be live at about 8 o'clock our time, 3 your time. So like usually the time we do the shows, like on a Monday. So just, just tune in at that time roughly and you'll see us. As for me and Ryan, we'll be back next week. We'll be in February already, believe it or not. The first, um, we'll probably take a look at the Shrine Bowl next year. Next year, next week. We've done the Senior Bowl. We'll have a look at the Shrine Bowl, but we'll probably be a bit more specific with that because a lot of those guys are right out there choices. So we might be a bit more specific with our picks there. Um, Brent goes, I wanted Moody also, but changed my mind. Bring in a UDFA to compete with the Money Badger. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that's Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to bring at least one or two kickers in. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I, I think go the UDFA route, not the draft route. Um, Matt's just put the Discord in the chat there, so if you want to come and join us on Discord, please do. Um, let me just check Twitch. No, we don't seem to have any questions. People have hung around with us long enough this evening. Thank you ever so much. Brent, Bruce, Grandizer, Dr. Detroit's been in the building. Matt's in the building, obviously, as well. Kool-Aid Kid's been in the building. We really appreciate it. Hope you've enjoyed this uh, Senior Bowl show over the last couple of episodes. And like I say, we'll, we'll move on to the Shrine Bowl next week, and then we'll probably start doing mock drafts and, and deeper specific dives on players. I know I had some questions on Twitter and that this evening. I will move them forward to another show so we can do them in more detail because I don't want to just rush over them now so enjoy your evening everybody is there anything else you want to get out of the system before we go Rye or in fact in fact I will just say I did name the episode ED to BC no siree that was a homage to Ed Reed's non-tenure of Bethune Cookman and you said you called it you said you didn't see it lasting long well it did not even start I just give you props there that was a whole massive mess as to what went on with Ed Reed. Oh yeah, that <laughs> what a farce that turned out to be. Suddenly after like twenty-five days, oh, couldn't give me anything I wanted. No, no, just just. What did he? Just, what did he think he was getting? Unless they promised him the earth. I, d- I don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll we'll have to see. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see the fallout from it. But it is a shame. But hopefully Petit and Cookman don't suffer too much for it. Ken Souder says, great info, guys. Appreciate it, Ken. Thank you for joining us this evening. You can find us all over the internet. YouTube, Roar at Lions UK. Twitch, ROTL underscore UK. 
Our Facebook page, Roar of the Lions UK, and our group, Detroit Lions Fans UK, One Pride Worldwide. Twitter, ROTL underscore UK. Instagram, same. And then on our website, you can find us at www.roarofthelionsuk.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe and rate us five stars if you like us and all that. Oh, and if you want to earn some brownie points with us, go over to Pride of Detroit's next pod whenever it is and tell them that we're really upset with them for disparaging our culture the other day and the way we eat. I was very upset and it brought a tear to my eye, so fight our corners for you, will you? Until then, though, thank you ever so much, and one pride.